genre. It's Franchiseography, the podcast that digs deep into the entire filmographies of Hollywood's biggest film franchises. I'm Nick Jimenez. I'm Scott Corelli. Today, Hot Mutant Summer is in full swing as we continue our miniseries on the X-Men franchise with the sequel to two separate timelines, 2014's X-Men Days of Future Past. And we have a guest joining us to talk about dystopian futures, questionable time travel abilities, and mystique-powered sentinels is writer artist and fellow podcaster jason hammonds jason thanks for being with us thank you for having me what a wonderful intro nick thank you it's so nice to be here uh across the internet audio waves as of course we are in three separate locations (laughs) right your consciousness (laughs) occupying your body from the future yeah exactly jason i i can only assume that you have a a pretty deep personal history with the x-men as just like a franchise you know it is it's funny because i i definitely do uh but what's kind of weird about it despite being someone who loves comics who's very into them who makes them and and you know loves all things about them and and knows a lot about them generally my relationship with the x-men really doesn't have much foothold in the comic book world it's like mostly based on cartoons and movies Mm -hmm. um i think it's most people that have been on the show so far yeah you know, it's 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 one of those things. And this, like, Days of Future Past, because when when you know you reached out back when the show was sort of you know developing, when I and I'll you know not for nothing, but uh, my credits there did not include designer of the artwork for this show. That's true, very true, and That's designer true. of the artwork that uh, was designed for the show, and then and then did not come into existence. And is that my yes. Twitter? My Twitter cover art. <laughs> hey, Nick's Nick's Twitter cover art. It lives on in some form. But as we were developing the show, you asked me which X Men movie I wanted to talk about, and it, it was a little bit of a hard choice between mm-hmm. X Two and Days of Future Past, but. I think ultimately this is my favorite X-Men movie, mm-hmm. despite the mostly absence of Brian Cox, which I think is a criminal sin of any <laughs> like action movie in general to He's not include in Brian spirit. Cox. He is there in spirit. He is there in like archival footage. There's, <laughs> yeah. there's weirdly more of him in this than X-Men Origins Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's very true. That's true. Um, I I do I did appreciate the one moment in this movie where they um, morph the young actor's face into Brian Cox's head, or like really doing it for the people who went to go get snacks earlier. (laughs) Very nice, but yeah, my relationship to this to this franchise is basically like you know I I was born in '93, and so I was like around the really the right age when this franchise came to prominence along with Spider-Man and like the X-Men one was really the franchise that that absolutely did it for me and like got me so hooked. Sean Ashmore, I was a big Sean Ashmore stan in all these movies and I was working in a movie theater when First Class came out and so I watched that movie like I don't know 15 times. I was a projectionist so I was constantly Mm -hmm. watching them. I watched that movie a a ton but I still had a closer relationship with the original trilogy which is a weird thing to say in the context of this franchise but and so then when, when it was announced that they were bringing back the originals to 
you know, to, to interact with the new cast. I was like so on board. And I, this movie hit at a time when I was living in like a very rural town working as a retail manager for AT&T. And so I watched this movie in theaters like God, uh, probably eight times because there was nothing to do in that town yeah, other yeah. than like go to the movies. Um, it was a big hit, so it played for a while. Yeah, and yeah. I was there for like one year. So like between this movie, Amazing Spider-Man 2, which I just talked about on um, We Need to Talk About Spider-Man, and Thor The Dark World and Captain America The Winter Soldier, wow. I watched those four movies so much because it was like the only comic book fair that year. Man, and we, was, we, we ate in 2014. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <guess>. <laughs> yeah, truly. Like, And I, I love Amazing Spider-Man 2. I have a real affinity for that. Me movie too. because it's the character work and the costume like are yeah. they bring it so spider-man wears a firefighter helmet <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. it's so fun um but yeah this movie i like it hits so much of that nostalgia while also like holding together very well and i'm a big time travel stan so like yeah this this one has it all for me yeah scott do you remember we i mean you know this was 2014 this was like mm-hmm. post avengers mm-hmm. you know marvel was in full swing do you remember like getting hyped for this one I do. I remember it being tempered a little bit because of the resurgence of the mm. Brian Singer stuff mm. right before this came out. Yeah, the the reminders. Yeah, it was like public. There was right. like articles getting published. Yeah, it was the, the, the first time. Yeah, the, or like the second time, I guess. Really, but yeah. like when it started to break through into the general consciousness rather than just industry like people. Yeah. Industry people, word of mouth. Now it was like getting published, and then we'll talk about it. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, I remember. I remember being very excited that Brian Singer was back because Mm -hmm. at the time the only thing that i knew about him was that he directed x2 and i was like right i miss him where's he been (laughs) um and so so i was excited that he was back and i was pumped that they were doing a time travel thing like the whole concept of it i was like this is going to be really cool i mean days of future past that's one of the like three seminal seminal Mm x-men stories that nerds were like oh then when that happens that'll be all three of them in a row for Um, sure i always i always forget that it's two issues long much like god loves man kills not a long story yeah yeah Yeah. and um one shot yeah truly and i dark phoenix saga tied into so many more things that it felt like a much longer thing because the event itself was not very long either, right? Like the Dark Phoenix saga was. Yeah, I want to say it was only like four issues right. or something it's like that. It's that Claremont thing, but it, but like it did still have like a continuation. Because for yeah. a while, if you if you picked up a X Men book, would Jean Grey be like Phoenix? Right. You know? Yeah. 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 Kind of like uh, Spider Man. But yeah. 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 Anyway. But yeah, I I saw this and I remember as soon as it starts, you get that the opening, sure. the dystopia. And I was just like, we oh, are this is so like, fucked. Yeah, I was like, oh my God, it's like Terminator. This is fucking rad. It's like a sci fi dystopian version of his opening from the first X Men, mm-hmm. you know? And I was like, this is so exciting. And I just remember being kind of blown away by the movie and just thinking, like, holy shit, they made, they did it. They made like the best X Men movie. Mm-hmm. Like, it happened. And I think that this movie has been remembered less fondly mm. since because. Apocalypse and Dark Phoenix are looked at so poorly. Mm -hmm. And also First Class is being sort of looked at again and being like, oh, actually, that's not as good as we remember it either. Because like they Mm. they killed the one black character and it's, you know, so then it's wedged between these movies that people don't remember fondly. And I think they forget how good this one is. Right. And I think the Brian Singer thing makes things complicated. But I think I saw this movie probably three or four times in theaters because I just loved it so much because it was like, oh my God, it's the X-Men. This is amazing. Yeah. I remember seeing this at midnight in my little college town Mm -hmm. and really feeling the electricity in the audience during the big moments. And really, for the first time in a while, it felt like an X-Men movie had captured the zeitgeist Mm -hmm. of the summer. Mm -hmm. It was like even people who weren't nerds 
we're like, well, you got, we got to see this. Cause look, they got everyone. Everyone's right. back. It's this, you know, 13 years since 14 years since the original movie. Yeah. I do think that there is something and, and we can talk about this later, but like, I do think that this movie is kind of the origin point of what franchise reboot culture has become. When you look at like the force awakens, bringing back Harrison Ford, mm. you look at like, you know, flash and the, you know, Spider-Man, no way home, bringing back, you know, existing characters from older beloved thing, or even like ghostbusters, the new, you know, upcoming movie, sure. like yeah. this, this way of being like, Oh, the way we reboot now is not to just do the same thing again. The legacy, you know, part. a la amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, it's it's the we bring back the old people who saw mm-hmm. the first one while also having a younger lens through which to view it for the for the newer audience mm-hmm. so that that way you can cash in on both. And I, I do think that without Days of Future Past, there's a part of me that wonders if Star Wars goes the same. And I especially don't think that Ghostbusters and your Spider-Man and now the Flash movie, like I don't think that those ever go the way that they go now. Do you, ever have, do you ever have one of those things where you think about when movies come out and you're like, that came out that close to that? Right. Like, right. right. And I just had that flash because you were talking about Star Wars and I was like, this came out a year before Force Awakens? Yeah. And that what? weird? And I, yeah. Think, I think Jason makes a really good point of like, I think we'd have to like Wolverine transfer our consciousness back into 2013, right. 2012 when the rumblings of the, like it didn't feel possible. Mm-hmm. And now we've already gotten so spoiled of where Michael Keaton being Batman again would have given me an aneurysm. <laughs> yeah. In 20, 20- especially in a flash movie. Like, yeah. what is but everything's so crazy mm-hmm. now. We're just, you know, space jam and all this stuff. Right. Where we've almost become numb to the craziness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That this movie really tapped into in a really yeah. exciting way. Yeah. Totally. To get things started in like the kind of, pre-production history of it Mm -hmm. deadline posted this story in january of 2012 kind of announcing 20th century fox promoting their slate moving into 2012 and beyond Mm -hmm. emma watts was named president of production in 2009 and her contract was re-upped in 2012 and she led this presentation where fox's reputation for being hands-on in the editing department Mm -hmm. and uh, hands-on in the story department that reputation was starting to catch up with it with Fox and it was resulting in things being kept under budget and on time, but it wasn't creating a reputation for being a haven for filmmakers, Uh especially big filmmakers who like being in control. So they had this big presentation where they were like, look, new era. We want to be a haven for big filmmakers to get their visions. Oh man. We got Ridley Scott's Prometheus coming (laughs) in this summer. Uh, we got Josh Trank, hot off the heels of Chronicle, making a Fantastic Four movie. Mm-hmm. He says it's going to be like The Fly. I don't know what the fuck that means, but we're giving it to him. Uh, Michael Mann is developing this new movie based on the rivalry between the Ford and Ferrari motor companies in the oh, 1970s. Right. Yeah, I forgot that was a Michael Mann movie originally. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and one of the, the, the jewels on that crown was we are getting Matthew Vaughn back to direct the sequel to X-Men First Class, uh-huh. which was like a hit. Yeah. in 2011 but it didn't like break the bank it didn't right. hit like mcu numbers or yeah. right, right, skyfall right. numbers or whatnot. well i mean we'd been two movies deep into lousy town lousyville <laughs> right you know? yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the stink was still kind of on the franchise so to speak. well yeah, yeah. And i remember that too when first class came out because that was also during the time you know like i said working at the movie theater and the movies that came out that same year it was like thor it was captain america like the mcu was really starting to boil yeah. while the x-men franchise was like okay we're gonna try and start over you know meet like they're picking up so much ground off of mm-hmm. Iron Man and now these two installments and like leading into Avengers. Whereas like X-Men, it kind of seemed at the time it was like, 
okay, I guess they're just trying to start over, but I don't know. Like, I don't care about any of these people very much. Like Jennifer Lawrence is cool. And the two, you know, like leads. Right. But who else, who was walking out of X-Men first class being like, Oh my God, like right. havoc. Lucas, you, you know, totally. Yeah. It was, it was more like, <laughs> I think I'm going to go see Thor again. <laughs> and so it is very interesting to think about it through that lens. Yeah. But, but Matthew Vaughn was very much like a, a kind of big name director at the time. Yeah. And, and his name only getting bigger. Yeah. You yeah. Know? So Kinberg and Matthew Vaughn got to work on writing a sequel to first class. And their intention was to write very much a sequel to First Class. And following, you know, Banshee and Angel and Havoc and these, mm. these characters that we, you know, so theoretically fell in love with watching First Class. Mm. Uh, I was really charmed by them. And I know I was kind of looking forward to like, oh, like these, are, these characters are cool. Kinberg recounts this meeting that they were having with Fox executives. Mm-hmm. And one exec spoke up and said, hey, uh, I had this idea of what if we did a Godfather Part 2 type thing? where we bookend a movie with Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen as Magneto and Professor X. Right. And we get like the new crew in there, but we get like, you know, them looking back like, remember Charles when we were right. And Kinberg being a comic book fan very quickly spoke up of like, well, that's days of future past. Right. And you can't unring that bell. (laughs) (laughs) Cause once you pitch someone what that is and what that would mean, the ramification, and he was like, well, I just didn't think that was possible. Mm hmm. Like on a, I just like, how do you even get those people in a room together? Right. You know, cause that's yeah. so many like legit stars. Yeah. yeah. Like first off, I mean, at the time, Jennifer Lawrence is like already just, becoming the biggest movie star in the world. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, and plus you're, you would have to figure out Ian McKellen, Patrick Stewart, like that's a, yeah. a task in of itself. Halle Berry, the Halle Berry. Right. Like, and then even, you know, McAvoy and Fassbender are both like big rising stars at the time, right, particularly yeah. in the worlds of like, you know very mm-hmm. serious filmmaking yeah. right mm-hmm. like they're much less franchise guys and normally, Elliot Page but, too at the time yeah. was at the height of, of his like right, yeah. popularity as an actor at the time right. Anna Paquin was still on True Blood sure mm-hmm. yeah yeah right. there, there were all of these just logistics stuff but then once the bell of Days of Future Past was rung it became everybody I'm just picturing the, the bell getting rung and them all like turning <laughs> what the like heck? what Oh, oh no, they rang it. Oh, they no. rang the bell. Well, well, we installed that bell on the Fox <laughs> slot. Well, now we have to do it. And so Kinberg and Vaughn. And Coming from Fox? The bell just goes. Yeah. How does that acoustically work? And so they start writing it and it, it starts coming together of they find this really interesting angle mm-hmm. of what I think it works really well in the movie is like using mystique as the stakes. Mm-hmm. The audience, Kimberly makes this really good point. I was really impressed by it of like audiences know they're supposed to care about the world blowing up and the stakes. But if we can like make them care about mystique's soul mm. of this kind of, can you change a villain into right. a hero? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That became a really cool arc. Oh. And they, they worked out the time travel logistics of Did they? <laughs> the, so the way so the way Kinberg, the way Kinberg says is like they were like and I have, I have not read Daisy Future Past the comic uh, uh. but it's like they your consciousness occupies yeah. the body of your past self mm-hmm. and so they were like okay but if we're going into the seventies that means Kitty Pride would be negative twenty right. right um so they were like well who who would it be and Wolverine was not the first choice mm. uh, first choice was actually Bishop. Yeah, and uh, eventually they just were like, "Well, he Wolverine makes so much sense." And I mean, you know, Hugh Jack, like he is it, Hugh Jackman is yeah. the draw of this franchise, and I think they right. learned that lesson with First Class, where they were like, "This was a good movie." Like, yeah. uh, you know, at the time, everyone, no one really had bad anything to say about it, right? And it had good performances, but ultimately, like when you're missing Hugh Jackman mm-hmm. out of the movie. 
you know, that, and I moms think and dads totally. Yeah. You know, I think the, I think the Wolverine made more money than yeah. first class. First class and, and first class is an ensemble and the Wolverine is one dude. Yeah. Truly. <laughs> you, you would think, like, you would yeah. think it'd be like, well, how, how can we get people to come see just one hero? But right. that wasn't so on a metatextual level it worked, yeah. And on like a mythological level it worked because we've established that Wolverine would look the same. We right. just saw him go through the Civil yeah. War and World War II, so they were like he he works on every yeah. level. Yeah. So around this time, Matthew Vaughn wasn't entirely sure that this was mm. the best second movie, right? Yeah, you know sure. Because I mean? he was like, where do you go after this? Right. So he started developing. He was right, listener. Yes. So he, <laughs> he started, was right. So he started developing this idea of doing a first class two, so to right. speak, that was also going to be set in the seventies and feature a young Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was even talking about casting someone like Tom Hardy. And mm. I, so I do think that making the decision not to cast, you know, whether it's Tom Hardy or not, but to not cast a different young Wolverine, mm-hmm. I actually think that that's sort of the fatal flaw of this franchise mm-hmm. is not establishing someone because they would have Hugh Jackman to be the older Wolverine in this movie mm-hmm. and to not establish a new Wolverine for people to come on to, especially if it's like someone like Tom Hardy with real chops who could have done a great job in the role yeah. to then continue into a apocalypse Wolverine-less, you know, like with the exception of that one cameo scene. Like I do think that this is the thing that made it so that this franchise had like basically no legs coming out of this movie. Kind of the kind of tops. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So he comes to Kinberg and Fox and is like, Hey, I, here's my pitch. We do a part two. We introduce young Wolverine, get Mm -hmm. someone like Tom Hardy. Mm -hmm. And then we end on a cliffhanger or even tease it. And then part three is the poster is Tom Hardy and Hugh Jackman looking at each other with Ian McKellen and Michael Fassbender and Patrick Stewart and James McAvoy. It'll be the biggest quote, the biggest spectacle you've ever seen. Right. It'll blow the roof off the joint, but it's part three. It's not part two. Get a different director to direct part two. Well, I go do my Kingsman movie and I will come back and do part three. Uh And, And Fox was like, okay, two things. Wolverine doesn't age. Why we've already we, shown him in we, the forties. We, we've shown him in the forties and Nam and all these things being right. Hugh Jackman. So why would he be young? B. Why would we make a a, a worse quote worse movie first to get mm. to? And uh, there was like this after the fact years later. You know, Vaughn was a bit more candid, and he was like, Hollywood has no sense of pacing. Right. They wanted dessert first. Right. And he was like, you don't go anywhere after Days of Future Past. Like, how do you get people psyched about anything after this? Mm-hmm. And they were like, we don't want to wait. And he was like, well, I want to make Kingsman. And in like August of 2012, by the mm-hmm. summer, Vaughn was out. And very quickly, Brian Singer was in. It is kind of funny, too, because in a certain way that, like, them doing that would have also maybe saved Vaughn's career. I mean, not that he, like, doesn't have a career, but, like if he makes days of future past after a second X-Men first class movie was, then he probably doesn't make golden circle and you know what I mean? And doesn't like, he's still living in Kingsman world to this day. Yeah. He's Mm -hmm. still got the King's man coming out, which like, what is with Matthew Vaughn and having like movie franchises in which the timeline kind of makes no sense and keeps getting muddled. Like, how do you do, why are you doing two movies and then a prequel that like kind of has nothing to do? Like, I don't know. Because what's his name was available. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, So Vaughn and Goldman are uh, Jane Goldman are given story credit mm-hmm. in Days of the Future Past. And he, I read in an interview that this is kind of plot-wise what he would have done, just replace the 70s with the 80s. That's how it felt mm-hmm. to me, too, is like, because there's so much of it, the like tying into real-world events and stuff feels like a Vaughn staple, right, you yeah. know, and it doesn't really feel like a big, like... The kind of tongue-in-cheek Nixon character. Right. You know? It doesn't feel very Singer in a lot of ways, especially when you look at what he did with Apocalypse, because it's like, he really, that movie, as far as I remember, doesn't 
at all really tie into like actual real world events other than like we're at a mall we're going to the movies Pop culture stuff yeah honestly in general i feel like the franchise lost itself in this whole like decade of movie thing because you can't redo dark phoenix until you have gene gray right. established for a little while sure you're not bringing her in until the 80s because we already know she looks like Femke Jansen right. in, in 2000. So then it's like you can't do Dark Phoenix until the 90s, but Dark Phoenix feels like an 80s thing mm-hmm. and Apocalypse is a 90s mm-hmm. thing. So like it's right all, right yeah. away, it's like it just doesn't – nothing yeah. feels right. Mm-hmm. Going into Apocalypse after this felt like a, an insane move. Truly, like yeah. why would – why is that the jump to make after this cast, like this type of like emotional mm-hmm. core storytelling that they're doing? Like mm-hmm. don't bring in a villain like Apocalypse that has no emotional bearing on any of the – like do something with it, which is the brilliance of Mystique in this movie is like oh there's personal stakes Mm -hmm. and i think that's the coolest thing about these two movies in particular but also just the best movies in the x-men franchise is like the stakes are always very personal you know striker is a very personal villain mystique is a very personal villain in in the first movie magneto is a very personal villain like Mm -hmm. and to sort of go to just this dude that's like a random ancient being that means nothing to anyone in the cast that we care about like just feels weird. I don't know. Like it would have been better to like bring back Havoc and have him be like, a villain. you know what I mean? Yeah, like personally, yeah. But yeah. you gotta, you gotta do. They gotta hit every single heavy hitter. Everyone yeah. that you've heard of. What do the fans want? Yeah. Or, or or what has enough crossover appeal to be like? Oh, I've seen that episode on the cartoon. Right. Or, yeah. Regardless you know. of whether it makes sense for the story. And totally. When Singer was brought on, he made the choice to bring back as much of the original crew as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, this included production designer John Meyer, who hadn't worked on the franchise since the first X Men. The return of John Ottman as editor and composer, right. mm-hmm. uh, same costume department people. So like a lot of the original crew. Mm-hmm. Do you guys remember when Brian Singer got on Twitter and would announce the cast yeah. in a tweet like one day at a time? Yeah, it took over the course of like what two or three months. Like yeah, d- yeah crazy. Like Elliot Page is back as Kitty Pride. Yeah, Sean Ashmore is back as Iceman. And right. Every time everyone was like, oh, and it was getting a little bigger every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was was it Hugh Jackman was like the. F- final like announcement so. of all of those I, yeah. I believe was like it's sometime like around Christmas or something it was like Hugh Jackman's back you know and yeah. everyone's like <laughs> <laughs> and, even though like he had never really left the role but like yeah and, and like I remember being hook line and sinker for all of it right yeah mm-hmm. as Same. much of a fan for first class I was mm-hmm. like well those are the best ones X totally. X2 and he gets to it's all yeah. coming together well I was a big Elliot Page fan truly mm-hmm. like I thought I, I actually enjoyed X-Men first class uh, a lot because of Elliot Page despite the fact you that like la- la- the last dance or the last stand, not first. Yeah, yeah X Men: The Last Stand. Like Elliot Page was, I thought, very good in that movie, despite having like very bad dialogue no, and like same. almost no character. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of charisma. Yeah, and just, like yeah. And honestly, same with Pyro, where like the recasting to me, I thought was a good decision. Mm-hmm. You know, where and obviously like Shadowcat and X Two, whatever, like didn't really do anything. Yeah. yeah, but like Elliot Page was like he is like so good in the role and like feels so compelling. And like even when you know Kitty is yelling, "Hey, dickhead!" at Juggernaut, it's still like something about it still works yeah even it's like a it's, kid saying a curse word for the first time <laughs> truly yeah and and like it has always been so compelling on screen knowing that elliot page was going to be back especially for this storyline where Iconic. kitty pride is so yeah. central it was like oh sick like that <laughs> feels so right in a in a franchise that in the past doesn't seem overly concerned with mm-hmm. stuff like that honoring the fans or honoring its past right it was like oh it's all coming together yeah didn't read too much you know he didn't like no him wandering off set or uh, no head trauma it seemed like he was clicked into this one sure it seemed like it was i know that uh, according to i i'm trying to remember who said uh, he apparently he was absent 
a couple of times, like uh, okay. kind of briefly for this movie, not as consistently as he would but go Bohemian. on to be for like Bohemian Rhapsody and Apocalypse and stuff. But like, he, yeah. here's an interesting question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is this the last good Brian Singer movie? Yeah, I'd say so. Easily, unequivocally, yeah, yeah I believe. Right? It, it, yeah. It's actually a really startling drop after this. Right. Yeah. There's also this interesting thing about Brian Singer as a director, you know, trying to get away from the sure. rest of it. Not to say that we're not going to talk sure, about but it. But, you know. Just strictly his filmography. Yeah, just yeah. talking about his filmography. I think there's this interesting thing that happens, and it starts here, but then it continues on into, like, the dump bucket of the rest of his filmography. Right. There's this shift that happens with his directorial style, and it has to do with lenses, and oh it has God. to do with things looking cheap. Yep. It doesn't happen in every shot in mm. this movie. A lot of it looks really good and on par with the first two X-Men movies, and then every once in a while, you'll get a weird shot where you're like, what the fuck is this? Why yeah, does it look huh. like this? Why does this look like it was made for $5? It reminds me of that. Remember that, that clip of Bohemian that went viral a few years ago mm, where it was yep. just like shot, 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 shot. Yeah. Of like them all sitting at a table together. Yeah. Mm. Well, it, and that it, part of that was that it was actually a Dexter Fletcher scene. Oh, okay. Because I was, I was reading about Ottman and like, you know, his uh, experience because yeah. he won obviously the Oscar for best editing that year. And I think the reason was that everyone knew it was a crazy production that essentially mm-hmm. had three different directors, including Ottman, because Fletcher also had to leave like kind of early to start on Rocketman. And so Ottman was just left trying to pick up the pieces. And when Fletcher shot that table scene, he had no master shot. And like the shooting style, like made no sense and like tried to lock into something that didn't end up actually working in the the editing suite. So then Ottman was just like forced to like try and pick up the pieces again. Uh, Every film is a miracle. Yeah. Ottman is a weird case. And I know you guys have talked about it, but like this dude has only ever edited Brian Singer movies. Uh He's a composer who just for whatever reason, Brian Singer wanted as an editor. Yeah. Like yeah. I, bizarre, he's, I yeah, not to psychoanalyze the dude, but he seems like a lot of I guess mm-hmm. people in this town are like at once very egotistical and cripplingly insecure, mm-hmm. right? Where like he does lean on people and does you yeah. know whether it's his social circle if you want to call it that or sure. or his strictly professional life, right? Mm-hmm. I mean the the screenwriters of X Men two, Michael Dordery and 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 the other one, X two was their first credit, right? Yeah. And it's like, well, how did they meet? You right, know, right. he likes people who are either young enough that he can fully take advantage of them right. and bend them to his will or people who have already proven that they will not right. you know, oh, oppose yeah. him. Yeah. yeah. And, and so to skip forward post-production. Right. Uh-huh. So the film's getting ready to premiere mm-hmm. in Memorial Day weekend 2014. Right. The month of the, the film's release, civil lawsuit was filed. The uh, incident was alleged to have happened back in the 90s at the party of another guy who had been mm-hmm. charged with like Ludax with a minor. This is the first time I'd heard of the Brian Singer parties. Mm-hmm. Yes. Was this at Civil suit? Yeah, and there was a second suit filed by the same lawyer the same season, you know, like mm-hmm. in the summer of 2014 of uh, John Doe in London who alleged to have been involved in an incident that happened at the premiere of Superman Returns. Mm-hmm. And although both those charges were dropped and dismissed one was like they were able to prove that singer was filming a movie at the time of one of the incidents and Mm -hmm. and so both things were closed and settled out of court settled yeah Mm -hmm. but what did happen is the the tide in the press started to change Mm -hmm. i read multiple articles uh, by like buzzfeed and gawker and time that were detailing this culture yeah that was coming to light and you know the really interesting points were made of like well shift things around. This has been happening in heterosexual parties for decades. The casting couch. Right. Powerful people taking advantage of people without power, people mm. that want power. Right. 
And Brian Singer withdrew from publicity about a month away from the movie's release. Mm -hmm. And uh, the movie came out and was critically acclaimed as like the best one. It is to this day the third highest grossing X-Men movie just below the two Deadpools, which is hilarious. Wow. And that's about it as far as like, uh, uh, so there was some concept art. Apparently Jubilee was going to be one of like the future mutants. Oh, okay. Uh, so some cool Jubilee concept art. Also almost came back was Juggernaut. Oh. Hell yeah. He were, was wearing like a shroud over with eye holes and a mouth hole. He's the Juggernaut bitch. Yeah. He's wearing like a BDSM. Like It was a cloth, like almost like a, oh, okay. like he, like a big, a big black table cloth. Incredible. And it was like wavy. <laughs> Like an, <laughs> like an executioner thing almost yeah, like yeah. that's fun i i also i feel like at some point they must have talked about yeah. nightcrawler being in it and when he wouldn't come back when alan Cumming wouldn't come back for it i bet they replaced him with blink oh cool yeah that's my own personal that like, head canon because i feel like it makes too much yeah. sense blink is nuts we'll talk about yo blink blink, blink rules yeah but yeah. like blink rules and the, the the way that they use blink's power in those sequences is so cool yeah. especially like leading to blink's death yeah. i think works really well but like all of that action i think is really dope yeah yeah i want to get into it for sure i think yeah. i think that's about it as far right. as all right well, we start off in the uh, not-too-distant future of New York City. We get this opening shot moving through this building, and I remember mm. this being like internet catnip because everyone was like, it's the Baxter building. It's the Baxter building. Because remember, remember back, right. back at this point, everyone thought this was going to lead to an yeah. X-Men versus Fantastic Four They kept movie. talking about that movie yeah. and they were like sort of, I know that they developed, I don't know if they ever got fully to like a script stage, but they definitely had treatments. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zach Penn, who I believe had some form of like involvement early on in this movie, like was put working on something or it was either him or Zach Stentz. I always get him confused. But, and yeah. this would have been like Miles Teller, Kate Mara, Fantastic Four. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That was like originally that movie was like going to tie in to a crossover uh, yeah. of that ma- like bizarre. Do you remember that big like Comic Con portrait of all the Fox Marvel people? Yes, with Channing Tatum's yeah, Gambit yeah, and Deadpool. Oh my god! Oh, wow, that I, Gambit movie. That Gambit movie. I and any listeners out there, it if the someone out there has the script for that movie, I sort of I've collected a lot of unmade superhero movie scripts. Uh-huh. Some public, some not. It's fascinating to read a lot of these things. You yeah. Know, like, yeah. a truly, I love that. So if anyone has a script for any of the versions of Gambit. The Rupert Wyatt Please. One. You know, yeah. even a treatment I will take. I, I just want to see what the hell the take was. <laughs> so we get a bunch of Holocaust imagery with neon lights. Um, yeah. Kind of fun. <laughs> oh, oh, you know, so. I mean, not fun, fun. So yeah. you, you brought up Terminator. Yeah. After Singer signed on as a director, he had a two-hour conversation with James Cameron. Oh, where he talked about the logistics and how to make your rules and stick to your rules. And it was through that conversation that he kind of established his rule. There's a fun story about like, apparently Cameron's autographed Simon Kinberg's like making of Terminator book. Don't (laughs) fuck this up. (laughs) Nice. It does feel very Terminator in a lot of ways. I mean, there's definitely some clear like examples of pulling from. It it feels really Terminator specifically because it's what a digital, I think Mm -hmm. that did this one. And specifically like the, ships of sentinels moving in and they're like yeah. these big monoliths monoliths just sort of like slowly yeah. pushing into an area it reminds me of like arrival sure or mm-hmm. or blade runner 2040 it has a very like yeah. denny bell new yeah kind of vibe to it yeah and man i am into it i was like just totally th- this like the movie kicked off with that and i was like 
fuck, god damn it, this is good. <laughs> yeah, I really like and, this a lot. And then it launches into the iconic zooming oh. through a amoeba with the John Ottman score. That right. yeah. stuff gets me so hard. Yeah. Like, yeah. truly, and, and I miss that in, in superhero movies in general, and I kind of hope that, like, you know, since the MCU doesn't do that, I kind of really want the DC movies to start inexplicably doing that, because, like, yeah, yeah. it's so fun in these movies and in the Spider-Man movies, just spending that time with the score and, like, seeing yeah. sort of the... It's almost like just seeing the conceptual, like visual basis for the movie yeah. in in a credit sequence with this and Spider Man. It's like about DNA and like mm-hmm. about all that, you know, like truly. Yeah. Even though this is like more amoeba, yeah. but like yeah. the credit sequences are always based on that sort of science. The fanfare, thing. the 20th Century Fox oh. fanfare, gives you the, that little, mm, yeah, just letting you know like it's special for us too. Where they're yeah. just like, yeah. we're not going to do the X this time, but we're going to do this. Yeah, and anytime, and like Warner Brothers does this all the time. But anytime any studio does any form of custom anything yeah. on the the studio card, I'm all in and I remember in theaters that was the moment because like with the Harry Potter movies it always got me yeah. you know seeing the WB logo like that but I was sitting in the theater and just that started and I was just like very baseline excited for a movie and then the last little sting of like the I was like started freaking out silently to myself because I was you know seeing all these movies by myself in a tiny rural town in southern Utah but yeah yeah I love that shit and I fully forgot about it yeah Black Widow had an opening credit thing and I really appreciate it that's true yeah 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 that I was gonna mention that because like you, you have the Black Widow opening credit sequence, which is cool, mm-hmm. to the point where now you don't have the mid credit for that movie because there right. is no mid credits. Yeah, like, that was yeah. interesting. It yeah. just went straight to rolling credits, and I was like, that's oh, weird that's right. for for a Marvel movie. Also, the Avengers movies they have like that really, yep. and that's the reason why the Avengers score is the thing that is like the most memorable from. Right. The MCU you, you is because that. every movie it's the Avengers, dun, Avengers: dun, Age dun, of Ultron. Yeah. You get the yeah. little, the little sting. So yeah, I agree. I think it's important to get stuck into people's head. It like totally. gets yeah. you hyped. There's nothing about those things that really have that much to do with the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, like I mean, in Spider-Man Two, it's like sort of recapping the first movie, but like it's just kind of a thing. Like yeah. they use the phrase tone poem all the time, but you know what I mean? Like but it feels like it, a yeah. ride almost. Yeah, like where you're just like, oh, this is fun. And the X-Men doors doing that too is just so fun. Uh, I love that. Shout, shout out to Wally. Shout, shout out to, out to Wally. So the, the Sentinels arrive, we get this fight between some X-Men and these new Sentinels. Now this was the first moment in the movie where I'm like hyped and then I see the Sentinels and I'm like, uh-oh. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I was like, oh, they're just, they're just a mazo. Like right. yeah. from the yep. DC, it looks like a Mazo yeah. from yeah. Justice League Unlimited, and it has a Mazo's powers. It's right. like it's just a Mazo. It isn't until later in the movie mm-hmm. when they explain that oh, they're built based off of Mystique. Yeah. yeah, that I'm like oh, okay. There's a reason they yeah. look like that. Okay, fine. Yeah, I, that was exactly where I was because I love the like retro Sentinels. Yes. They look so sick. Yeah. I think they're so perfectly used in this movie. But the, yeah, the futuristic ones are kind of like nothing. But then understanding that it's developed from Mystique, you're like okay, that's it's actually really cool. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't love the design mm-hmm. still, but the fact that they are built from mm-hmm. Mystique because of this moment in time is really awesome. Yeah, yeah. and this is where we meet the future crew, and right. we get the, we get like first appearance of Bishop, first appearance of Blink, first right. appearance of Warpath. Yeah, yeah, and what a crew! What yeah. a crew. you got, Omar Sy. Got He's incredible. Shout out to freaking uh, Lupin. Lupin. I love like, Lupin. Yeah, it's such a good show. Omar. He, I was, I've been like waiting for him to pop for so long. I mean, he's a good actor, but like I've been waiting for him to like have truly a thing because yeah. in, this was my first exposure to him, and I was like, this guy's really good. Why does he have like two lines? Right. Yeah. yeah, he's so dope. I think the thing that X Men and this movie really nails 
that not a lot of superhero movies just get this right is just having fun with powers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of letting the audience learn how someone's powers work and watching someone be really good at it. Right. And the way Blink just knows, and everyone knows how to use Blink. Mm-hmm. Of like when Warpath is like jumping in and out. And mm-hmm. it's just watching a, a, a well-oiled teamwork. Totally. Yeah, I just like Bishop just nudging her and she'd be like, yeah. yeah. And then she knows yeah. exactly what he's wanting to have yeah. happen. Yeah. It's, it's really- very fun to start a movie watching a well-oiled machine. Like yeah. it is just a fun thing to see especially in genre and and them all working and also just getting to know the world through that way where they immediately know that the sentinels are coming they know what to do there like they have a full plan that's going into and it just like it it helps get you in so quickly and also i mean slow-mo shot on sean ashmore i'm Mm -hmm. always down for that those eyes just being like right yeah yeah. (laughs) it is nice it just it's really cool seeing like bobby and kitty still together after all these years like i was like proud of them for having made it this far Mm -hmm. these aren't who i would have did they officially get together in x3 or was it still i don't know if they like kiss when they're ice skating or i think it was just them like sharing looks i think Mm -hmm. this is the first time that it's like yeah which is very interesting because then at the end of the movie you know bobby's back with Rogue. Rogue and she's kind of subtly with Peter in the classroom. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the most of those movies ever do is just put them next to each other. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, they're not going to give yeah. that guy a love scene. And we uh, we, yeah, we get some pretty brutal death scenes yeah. uh, where everyone's like killed, oh but then gosh, yeah. we get Kitty awkwardly cursing again. Yeah. <laughs> we have to talk about the Kitty Pride time travel stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. What the hell is this? Where does this come from? She has the power to so how, be, right. go through walls. So like, who, who does it? In the, how does it work in the comic? So that's the thing is uh, the only reason that I'm willing to accept it because it is bizarre. It's like soap opera levels of new thing developing about a character. <laughs> yeah. But it also happened that way in the comics, really. Because in the comics, Kitty Pride is just able to send herself back in time, okay. which makes about as much sense as it makes in this movie. Truly, like mm-hmm. either way, it's just this random secondary mutation that pops up by convenience yeah. of the story. But in the comics, they were going back in time to the, quote, present. Right. Not, like, before Kitty was born. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, it makes more sense there, you know, in terms of contextually. But, yeah, it's 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 just Kitty, and she's just sending herself back into the past. And so, either way, it doesn't make much sense, okay. you know, with yeah. the source material or the thing. And that was the thing, because it's a thing that I struggle with, too, is, like, why is Kitty suddenly able to send people's minds back into the past? Mm-hmm. But what else would they have done? You know, is kind of my thing. Like, if you're going to make this story happen, how do you like, do it? Give, like, create a new mutant. Like, have Fan Bing Bing be like, I can do it. Yeah. I guess or, so, yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, I, I feel like, I guess you could do it. But then, like, no one would care about that character. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I understand that as well. Well, unless you cast somebody cool. Right, as sure. the character. Like, if you were just like, Jubilee can do this. It's like, well, I mean, all she could do is shoot fireworks out of her hands before. So, right. sure. Yeah, yeah bringing like, yeah. a lot of Condor movie early. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. That would have been cool. Yeah. I, like, I remember being, as an Elliot Page stand, being really bummed at being deprived Kitty Pride. Sure. But I can kind of understand. It's Kitty Pride doing that for the same reason that Wolverine is the one going back in time. Right. You know, yeah. where yep. it's just like it. And it, uh, they and make a really point on it. Where I was, uh, Simon Kingberg, when he was being interviewed, was like, I really liked the full circle aspect of Logan being a mentor to Professor X the way that professor x was a mentor in that first x-men movie right yep and then literally patrick stewart's like just this is going to be like when you did it for me when i was doing this back in 2000 I was like, thanks <laughs> thanks movie <laughs> there's like that one scene it's right before he gets sent back in yeah. the past where like 
everyone just basically explains away all of the sort of studio reasons for why things are happening the way they are, where like in very quick succession, it's like, well, this is why Hugh Jackman has to be the one to go back in the past. I was a big fan of Patrick Stewart justifying first class. Yeah. I knew her as Raven. We grew up together. (laughs) Yeah. Same time. Yeah, totally. And that's the thing I really appreciate about this movie, despite the fact that Brian Singer was not and or, you know, and even the writers and stuff that this movie does play in the sandbox that First Class established, even refers and even uses footage from X-Men mm-hmm. The Last Stand, mm-hmm. you know, and and to some extent, I feel like there was some Origins stuff involved in there. I, I can't remember if there was any footage from X-Men Origins or not. The, the fact that it is using the context that was established by movies that otherwise are kind of unattached from this movie, yeah. especially creatively, like I did appreciate just to sort of, even though these movies had the wildest continuity of all time, mm-hmm. to be like, we're still going to try and make sense of all of it and, and use what has happened in those other movies to sort of set this one up and not really disregard a lot of it, which like it would end up fully doing in some ways later on. I I appreciate the sandbox playing in a lot of this. This It's kind of the last time that it really does feel all connected. Yes. Mm -hmm. I think the, the very last scene is where this franchise fully loses all connection right. to continuity. Doesn't even go a full movie. Yeah, yeah, like it ends with the Mystique Striker thing, and from that point on, this franchise makes no sense at all. No, it's just busted. <laughs> yeah, because they would just do that. They would just do stuff, and they were like, "Yeah, we'll figure it out later," and then right. they just forget about it. Yeah. yeah, or they're just like, "Well, we don't want to deal with it." Right. So like forget. you know, we we you know, on the Wolverine last week, it, that movie ends with yes, you know, <sighs> Magneto and Xavier at an mm-hmm. airport being like, "We have to talk, Logan." I'm but glad I, you brought that up. Yeah. But but I do really. Really like the callback to it in this movie where he goes through the metal detector in the old oh, one. Per- yeah. He's like, goes up, he's like, yeah, I want the pat down. He's like, okay, we're doing a pat down, you know, because he's all metal. And yeah. then this, he like winces and goes through it and it doesn't go off. He's like, oh, right, bones. And that look of bones. the look of like, it's the little things. <laughs> yeah, it was really good. It's really nice. I love that moment. But it is so crazy to be like, wait a minute, because going into this movie, I was like, okay, so it has something to do with that airport. See, I was like trying to yeah. figure out like how this starts. <laughs> yeah. And then it starts like, you know, so far in the future where airports do not exist in this universe anymore. Or it's like, wait, what was that for? <laughs> yeah, it's like they thought it was cool to get those two in a room together. Totally. And then who knows if Brian Stinger even have seen the Wolverine to this day. Right. Yeah, you know? truly. Yeah. So wild. Well, he did write that scene. Oh, okay. Did he really? Well, yes. That's the craziest part to me. And especially leading <laughs> off from the, because it's like they'll do these setups and then the next movie has nothing to do with them. And you're like, wait a minute, the same guy wrote and directed that Stinger that yeah. was supposed to lead... What? How? Yeah. How? Yeah. Yeah. Which also happens in the thing at the end of Apocalypse, the, you know, Nathaniel Essex blood thing to do with uh, Wolverine yeah. at Weapon X. Like, yeah, they almost like go out of their way to not match up. But it's it's a thing where it's like, because there's so much, and as we'll get into these, these right, right, last right. batch of movies, it's like leadership at Fox changes Ooh. every single movie. Yeah. And so oh, they okay. just keep changing their fucking minds. Yeah. Right, like right. that was supposed to be a setup for New Mutants. And then, like, right. that wasn't in New Mutants at yeah. all. Not because, even, yeah. Crazy. yeah. So, I, and I, I, in my mind, my headcanon of X Men movies is like basically X Men 1 through 3. I kind of count Origins because I think there's a lot of really great character stuff in that yeah. movie for the first half. And then the Wolverine, and truly it goes Days of Future Past, Logan, and that's it. Like, yeah. Apocalypse out, Dark Phoenix out, like New Mutants. I haven't seen New Mutants yet, and I keep wanting to, but I just like can't push play. <laughs> if you're like an Anya Taylor Joy completist, it's fun. That's kind of the only thing that's keeping me going. I'm going to watch it soon. I might, which like, you know, you guys are doing a future episode on it. Yeah, I don't know. But that's my headcanon is like, this just (laughs) leads into Logan and then that's it. Because that to me is the best finale for a franchise that this could have possibly hoped for. Logan, I feel like is the best finale. It it really does feel like this franchise should have been, it should have been this movie. 
Mm-hmm. And then the next one is Logan. Yep. And then it's like, and we're done. We're rebooting with Deadpool. Yeah, there's a quote sure, from yeah. there's a quote Deadpool's from Deadpool's gonna be our new Iron Man. You know, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Why not? There's a Hugh yeah. Jackman quote at the time of filming this where he was like, This this could be my last one. Yeah. He was right. like, I can't think of a better ending than this one, Days of Future Past. And from a certain lens, see that too, yeah. you can picture mm-hmm. it because he gets such a beautiful little button yep. ending at the end of this. <laughs> and it's just like, well, see you in two years. Well, we're gonna be back. And that's kind like, of why. My, that's totally and that's kind of my thing with the younger actor thing is this would have made such a perfect send-off to Hugh Jackman if there was a younger actor playing Wolverine and you're just establishing firmly like a new timeline where Wolverine joins the X-Men in the 70s instead would have been a perfect way to be like, okay, thanks Hugh Jackman for everything you've done. We all love you, but also we still have Wolverine and we can start like a new franchise direction. Instead, they're just like so petrified of what could happen if they can't anchor things on Hugh Jackman. They're like, no, 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 no. We got to have him. We got to keep him. We got to set up a future for him. Truly, it it shackles Jackman to the point where he ends up still doing like a couple more desperate cameos that I'm sure they paid him way too much for obviously logan which i'm grateful for but like sure. i don't know yeah it's it's and he's he's in fine form like the scene where yes. he wakes up in the 70s yeah is, so so the reason that they're sending him back is oh, okay. because is because mystique is gonna assassinate right. peter dinklage yeah peter dinklage Bolivar it's Trask. the first time she I, ever killed I, I can't express <laughs> how relieved i was watching this movie when there wasn't a single joke about Bolivar Trask yep. compensating for something. Oh, yep. it's a real testament to what's possible. I, yeah. And how fucking easy it is <laughs> yes. to cast different looking people. I, I, yeah. I was cringing the whole movie just waiting for it because I was like, I know it's coming. I right. know they're going to make that stupid fucking joke. Right. And then it just never happened. I was like, holy shit. This is incredible. Dinklage does a solid performance. I, it is the definition to me of an actor bringing to life what could very easily be like, just if you look on the page, he doesn't yep. have like a quirk or a tick, yep. but he feels like a real person in every scene. and totally. so singular because it's, it's Dinklage. Oh my yeah. God. It's so good. Yeah. So they send Wolverine back. He wakes up in the seventies in get, a waterbed. Yeah. I like the fake out of you think it's like cosmic weird stuff, but right. then it's like a lava lamp. Yeah. yeah and they're really they're doing like their most in this movie i feel like more than any other x-men movie has of being like wolverine is the most hetero man of all time he's always just banging chicks and like uh, you know that was weird him waking up with a girl in his bed is weird that's it's weird like bizarre. that's a weird like, it's never yeah. been the character i was gonna say there's like because you know later when he's kind of a dick to hank Mm-hmm. he's like oh i forget that he can be this way yeah. yeah he can be kind of like a boorish dick but then also he can be like really stoic dignified samurai right right and it's kind of like whatever movie you're watching totally right. there's a couple of weird moments it's that and then there's another moment where beast is like asking about kids it's like is that is he your kid i hope like, not yeah, yeah. he's like i hope not and it's like what is, what is this like weird continuity of this movie where like Wolverine's just been slinging it around across town for decades? What is so? This is like 1973, right? So we know Logan was in Nam, right? So I guess this is right post Nam, right? So this would have been after the firing squad with Victor. Yeah, oh, wow, yeah. He would have escaped that because remember he met Stryker. Because right. Stryker freed him from... Oh, so this is between Stryker freeing him and then Stryker finding him in the 80s when he's shacked up with that girl in Canada. Yes. Yeah. Because that's the 80s. Yes. By the time that happens. Bizarre. Yeah. Like, sh- this- Which is why he shows up in that cameo in Apocalypse, because that's Sure, yeah, yeah. That's when that's when happening. He's Weapon yeah. X program. And yeah. look, hey, I loved seeing it, but like, man. Yeah. yeah. We get him clearing a room of dudes. 
we get like fun Wolverine action. I do like they, the bone claw thing. Yeah. I, so like, oh, oh the, right. The, the bone claw thing is so funny because it was a brand new thing in the comics. Yeah. Brand new. And then they just went all in the on the movies really claws. loved that. Yeah. They were just like. What would they do before telling a pre adamant hoke? That yeah. was the whole point. It was just that he had always, as long as he's known, he's had the metal claws. Yeah. You know? yeah I think prior to that, everyone's assumption was that they installed the metal claws in the weapon X not put metal over his bone yeah and his only mutant power before that was the healing factor which like makes sense i mean like most x-men have bizarre mutations but 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 yeah i just (laughs) love that once the bone claws were out they were like we fucking love these we're bringing them back buddy (laughs) almost immediately because that comic came out in what 2003 right so it's in wolverine origins (laughs) and then he gets his claws cut off in the wolverine and then grows the bone claws back which they never explain how he gets adamantium (laughs) claws again god again Um, the continuity of these movies like then from there he's got them here again and then i think he's got them doesn't he have them at a point logan in in logan it was about like the adamantium was doing something to his blood bone stuff right that's right yeah laura that's what i'm thinking of yeah so they just like went all in on the bone claws and i just think that's the funniest fucking thing yeah yeah it's like this brand new comic cotton Thing oh, we love like, that. We love that. Yeah, We're bringing someone, that Whoever back. it was, like Gavin Hood or someone, saw that and was like, this is going to be part of my oh, take. Yeah. <laughs> I like the fun. There's this interesting thing about how Lauren Schuler Donner said in an interview that she feels like good naturedly. Mm-hmm. She says, I feel like Brian is always trying to make these movies more somber and serious, and I'm always trying to inject more humor right. and levity. Mm-hmm. And this yeah. feels to me like one of the more Donner X Men movies. Right. It feels like they struck a really good balance. Yeah. It's not too good for like a cheesy Star Trek Easter egg reference. Or like, what's the internet? You know, that kind of fun stuff. Oh, God. Remember when Brian Singer was going to reboot Star Trek? I, wow. yes. yeah, uh, that just, I, you just mentioned Star Trek and Ryan Singer in the same sentence. I was like, oh shit, I remember yeah. when that was going to be. He's a in thing. one. He's like a cameo in one. I Is think. that right? I think so. Huh. The amount of times that Brian Singer and J.J. Abrams have kind of been like revolving around the same reboot, you like know Superman? what I mean? Yeah. Superman, like bizarre. And I wonder if, I feel like Lucasfilm probably considered Brian Singer for Star Wars. J.J. Abrams would have casted the shit out of the X Men. Oh my God. Oh, wow. I guess, (laughs) like, he just, I I don't know what casting director he works with. I need to look that up. One day we will look that up for for, for a reason. It's arguably his greatest, you know. Oh, my God. He just knows how to cast the shit out of everything. He really does. He has a real gift for it. But I will say, up until Apocalypse... Sure. In some ways, first class, in some ways not. But, like, I think most of the X-Men movies up to this point are insanely well cast. Oh, For the characters that stick around. But like, then, like, yes, all yeah, the yeah, one-off yeah. characters are, like, very... I mean, you know, Days of Future Past itself, you don't really care about who is Iceman when it's right. not Sean Ashmore. Totally. Right. Or, like, totally. you know, Kitty, like you said, Kitty Pride barely has anything to do in Last Stand, but everyone was like, oh, my God, she's yeah. so cool. Because For Elliot such Page a bad movie, everyone wanted Elliot Page back. Like, yeah. very much. And people were stoked about it, despite yeah. hating that movie. Yeah, you know, we were talking about the Wolverine where even mm-hmm. now Famke Jamskin showing up right. is like, whoa, Famke. Yeah. If you go back and watch those movies, you know, Jean doesn't have a lot going no, on. Oh, she like mm-hmm. almost never has anything to do in any of the X-Men movies. <laughs> like, really and watch. Halle Berry as well. Like all of these movies are so well cast up to this point. And I do think the thing that's astonishing to me, and I don't think has ever really been, you know, accomplished to the same heights is like, you have two characters in Magneto and Professor X that they nailed it both times yeah. like those characters were cast twice perfectly yeah and that is crazy like what's another time that's that the same role has been cast repeatedly and they absolutely nailed it Star like Trek. 
I guess Star Trek. Yeah, yeah. truly. Yeah. yeah, I guess that's the only yeah. like yeah <laughs> with with Spock and with Herc like and yeah. Bones. I guess Bones and honestly, yeah, Sulu. Like I think John Cho is incredible as Sulu. Yeah, yeah. he didn't yeah. have enough to do, but Chekhov. Um, yeah. Chekhov, yeah. yeah, Chekhov's good. Yeah, hey, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, Anton Yelchin, R.I.P. Yeah, he was in- incredible. I. The imagery is really good. I, I I like when he goes like the Xavier sign being like just on the lawn with right. the grass overgrowing. It's really yeah, effective. Yeah. Well, before that, we get mutant Vietnam. Oh, that's right. Yeah, with yeah. with Alex Summers uh, back in like a cameo. Yeah, so weird. I, I was, like, like more than a cameo, but like less than a role. Yeah, I was like, I was like, <laughs> when is he back in the movie? It's, when does he show up? And then I forgot about him until literally yeah. just now reading my notes. I yeah. was like, oh right. It's yeah. so weird because you know we were just talking about how it is kind of honoring the some right. parts, but then sometimes it feels like it's really doing first class dirty. Yeah, yeah. With like Havoc barely being in it, right? And everyone else being killed off screen. Yeah. It, it. I will say it works for this movie. Yeah, but if like first class is your favorite one, right? I, I loved the look of Toad. I was gonna say shouts out to mutant icon Toad. Yes. This dude just given two very distinct looks in this movie. Like once as like a line cook, and once in this scene yeah, right here, he's just I love. <laughs> he's just such a working class mutant. Incredible, yeah, he, truly. He's like I'm not. No one's ever gonna. I'm not gonna be a model or a celebrity. I'm gonna work mm-hmm. in a freaking in and out. Yeah, like no I am very me. ugly. My face is hard to look at for most people. I am yeah. very off putting. But like, hey, I'm just doing my job here. Yeah, <laughs> like, I got drafted. <laughs> no lines but he tells yeah. a story something that really hit different for me this second time around mm-hmm. was raven being in full mystique mode right mm-hmm. because i forgot how little physical stuff she does in first class right yeah when yeah. she turns into mystique for the first time it's instantly nostalgic because yeah. it feels like rebecca romaine mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know and then she because, starts doing her thigh foo yeah like, because in first class right. it's hard for me they literally have rebecca romaine show up for a cameo yeah. and i still can't quite connect the two of them mm-hmm. but here it instantly it like, works oh, so well she's gonna grow up to be rebecca romaine and this yeah. is like this is the right moment with lawrence too where she's not quite too big for the role i mean i do think that her performance in first class is her best performance as mystique because she oh. was still hungry enough to not care or like not be like encumbered by the makeup and all that stuff because mm-hmm. she clearly starts getting very very annoyed by playing the role yeah. after this movie. Yes. But I think in this movie, she's still very, very good. Obviously, the physical stuff is amazing. It is that thing of like, why are women always having to like use their legs in like very sexy ways for action scenes? That being said, impressive stuff in this movie that sure, she's doing. Yeah. Like the leg hold up thing, I think is an, a very fun, creative thing, despite the scene itself with that military officer like being bizarre jennifer lawrence is doing great work in this movie yeah I think. this is this was like her era this was her like she was yeah. the biggest star on the planet yeah. yeah but yeah then we go back to xavier mansion we meet drunk xavier oh. we find out that hank isn't blue anymore yeah. yeah it's really cool it's like when these your two sketchy friends they're the only <laughs> they only have each other left and they're yeah. both kind of enabling the other one yeah mm-hmm. and it's not a really healthy living situation yeah he turns into beast like the hulk now yeah yeah i for reasons well so so this is kind of the last time that it makes sense Mm -hmm. because you get like oh he's also lying to himself there's this great scene in the road cut where raven kind of challenges him Mm -hmm. but yeah he takes an injection every day to look like nicholas holt it's also the scene that scene in particular that is only in the road cut is the time that he looks the best as Beast yeah. across any of the movies, mm-hmm. I think, is in that scene. Because mm-hmm. he's got those big, beefy Beast hands, and he yeah. has to look good in close-ups. Most of the time, he they just keep a distance. Hi, everybody! Yeah, yeah. And yeah. they're just like, yeah, don't let anyone know that he's basically wearing a rubber mask. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, the looks that Beast has had in this franchise, and it is easily yeah. the best look in this one, basically looking like the lion from The Wizard of Oz yeah. in the first one. Like, man, yeah, that's harsh. And the whole thing is ADR. 
are because he can't move his mouth. Yeah, yeah, very rough. Going back to the perfect casting, like yeah, McAvoy is is oh. in the zone in this whole movie. Oh, unbelievable! Yeah. This dude, like, truly incredible. I get so much emotion out of him in this role. Yeah, and, and it's such a vulnerable spot for Xavier in this movie, mm-hmm. like more so than any of the other ones. He's really in a in a dark place, and yeah. like he plays it so. Perfectly the way well. that it ebbs and flows, too, yeah. where he'll go from manic, like, leave me alone, like, stop, mm-hmm. I'm, I need to, like, shoot yeah. up this cure, yeah. mm-hmm. and all that, and then go from, like, being convinced to be like, okay, I'll do this one thing, fine, and then suddenly he drifts back into Xavier mode from first class, where he's in the training montage, yeah. and he's totally clicked in, and then something will trigger him, and he'll just fall back into yeah, it's depression. almost like Jack Sparrow kind of mode. It's so good. Yeah. It's, he's... Excellent. He's really reveling and we're finding this great man at yep. like his lowest point. Yeah. Well, and it's, it can be so easy. I feel like to lose the audience with that much variation between, you know, emotion in every scene. Mm-hmm. Cause you start to get too rangy and suddenly like, you know, no one can believe the importance of any of the emotions. Cause it feels like you're all over the map yeah. all the time, you know, but he's like right on that razor's edge where it's just very rangy, but very honest yeah. without getting cartoony ever, which yeah. like in my personal opinion, it kind of does in split. I think, and especially after that, I think that McAvoy starts to get a little mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, yeah, a little yeah. crazy but that's just you know i like i know people like that performance but like in this one it really feels like he's just like walking right mm-hmm. on that and i will get to it but like the airplane scene to me is like oh, the height yeah, of yeah. this movie but there's yeah. a moment when logan's like we're also gonna have to get magneto out too yeah and he's like how's that gonna happen dipshit and he's like well because you sent me back together your friends in the future and mm-hmm. that look of like hope starting to like wait what right yeah literally the theme of this movie like the actual like yeah, theme yeah. song that you guys will hear at yeah. the end of this episode it's called hope Xavier's oh. theme. That's yeah, the yeah, name great. of the song, the track. One, and one quick thing while we're in this scene in, in the house, there is, it's another one of those crazy continuity things with this franchise where I can't, and it's, it's understandable why, but like, there's that moment when he's like, oh, I do remember you from the cameo in first class. It's like, uh-huh. I do remember you actually. And I'm going to tell you what you told me that time. Uh, and, and in this movie, he says, fuck off. Doesn't he in first class say, go fuck yourself? Pretty sure yes. you're right. Like, yep. How do they not get that right? Like, <laughs> make a point. What? Yeah, I, 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 I'm doing a callback. This is going to be a callback. I, it would have been, yeah. been the. It would have been the best thing. Good, that you can't do it because you only get one. Yeah. But it would have been so good if he would have been like, "Fuck off!" And Wolverine's like. Actually, I said go fuck yourself, but all right. You're, but I, but yeah, get it. But you're I drunk. get the point. Yeah, yeah. whatever. In the rope pad, Nixon gets to say "fuck." Oh, right. true. That's yeah. Right. That's, yeah, that's why they cut it down. They couldn't keep the Nixon fuck in it, in it oh, and it really destroyed man. the rest oh, of the road yeah. plot. So I want to talk about the cure sure. that yes. he's taking, yeah. the drug, because they made a big rigmarole about the cure in X-Men The Last Stand. Yep. Absolutely. And it's literally just a slightly extended version of this, Yeah, because uh-huh. that one only lasts a couple of years, and then everybody gets their powers back, and this one lasts yep. like a few hours. Mm-hmm. But it's... It's been around apparently yeah. forever. <laughs> <laughs> that it took twenty years for it to somehow become a big thing, you know. Like, and that, and that beast in X three is literally like, this is the most amazing thing I've ever. Oh. Seen. You <laughs> invented it, man! You oh. invented it like thirty years ago. Why did I stop doing this? <laughs> Again, it's like this really should have been a point where they establish a new timeline for these movies, which they kind of did half-assedly. But like by by trying to pretend that this past is still the same timeline it's the decision yeah. that you just are like and that like the, can't be the easy metatextual or whatever answer is right. the actor nicholas holt didn't want to be in the makeup chair Ex- as much. Yeah, oh yeah and that's a hundred percent what but, it is because like him and jennifer lawrence both especially after this movie are just like i can't literally any reason any yeah issue. which sucks because it is direct 
conflict with both of these characters arcs yeah 100 yes. yeah in first class particularly yeah. where they're accepting what they are also Man. the fact that this is line comes later but it's all it's related to yeah, this yeah, yeah. is xavier being like when these this, go this, this comes back <laughs> and, like, and i'm like what I'm like what are, <laughs> why, what do those have to do with you? you got shot in the back that has nothing to do with your powers what are you talking about yeah, yeah giving him his legs back just even saying that is sounds yeah. weird. It's yeah. kind of the weirdest move of the movie. Yep. I get the wanting to stay away from the manic depressed guy in the chair oh. because that's immediately Forrest Gump is like right. immediately you where your head yeah. goes. You, you don't want it to be like, I'm tortured because of this thing that happened to me. Right. right. You know? And I can also see from the lazy standpoint too, of there's a lot of scenes in this movie where McAvoy kind of needs to be active. He's more active. Yeah. yeah he's like he, he's running. Yeah. Cause like you think about like the scene in the Pentagon and you know, the airplane, like there's a lot of scenes where he needs to be like up on his feet just sort of choreographing wise mm-hmm. but that is the lazy answer to yeah. why you take him out of the chair and he can't have like a sci-fi chair right 100 percent. yeah because it's in the past yeah the one line that i think is effective from all of that like mm-hmm. the the only thing that works about it for me really is when he says when when eric is like you know you you did that so you can walk and he says i did it so i could sleep and he tries yeah, to say it and sleep, breaks the pain such is, yeah. a good delivery of yeah. just being like it is madness yeah. to hear everyone's thoughts all the time that stuff is played really well yeah totally also not for nothing but the scene where he's shooting up and yeah. you're just like oh my god professor x no <laughs> and then he's like we invented this cure and you're like oh okay yeah, yeah, Jesus. yeah. and i, I like it that as a reveal yeah, i love yeah. hank's little like i just take enough to stay straight but he does it too much <laughs> sure sure buddy he, it does, is, he does it so he doesn't feel anything it, including <laughs> his legs not working so now he can magically walk yeah. which is just like what i, yeah. I don't i don't get it at yeah. all that's not how this should work it is such a funny just continuation of the x-men movies always trying to do these very on the face parallels to like mm-hmm. real world societal struggles Obvi- a hammer yeah, yeah yeah truly insanely blunt and not always adept like it's always like when people are trying to force the martin luther king malcolm x thing onto yeah. charles and, and mm-hmm. eric right it's always so blunt so on its face and like doesn't quite work it works right. in the movie but you're like don't try and tell me that this is how it is in real life like, don't yeah yeah <laughs> like a baseball card version of yeah of both truly. of those men's ideologies yeah, yeah. but yeah but it does work it totally works in, in the movie itself and we get they're like kind of like Ocean's Eleven talking out a plan, and Logan's like, "Well, I think I know a guy." Oh my right. god! So they're gonna, they're going to break out Magneto, who is put into this pentagon. He's buried a hundred a hundred <laughs> feet underground, or no, a hundred floors underground yeah, because he killed Kennedy because he killed JFK. He's like, yeah, well, why else do you think the bullet bent through? The air? I was like, is that just real now? It is, is that just what we're saying? I think it's the most Matthew Vaughn stuff in the yes, movie. 100%. Yeah. Easily. Because it's both cheesy and revisionist history, which yeah. are like his two favorite things. Yeah. But I, at the time when I saw this, that was like the thing that made this movie work to me. Because <laughs> I thought the Cuban Missile Crisis thing in first class was amazing yeah, and fun yeah, yeah. and great. At the time, at least. I haven't rewatched it since. But that was to me in the theater being like, of course. And it gets <laughs> even crazier. The JFK <laughs> We'll talk about it. But but. then he goes and he gets his costume Mm -hmm. and he goes and he breaks out Emma Frost. He's like, you're coming with me. I'm Magneto. And then we're going to go kill JFK because that needs to happen in... 30 days because it's like yeah it's so close to when first class ends so he's only like working as the brotherhood 
as a team for like maybe a year tops. Right. Hank, Hank says definitively that the, the school lasted one semester after Cuba. Right. right. And then they shut down. Right. So it's like with both of these, like yeah. after their boyfriends were gone, like their lives just fell apart. Yeah, what a spectacular <laughs> failure, truly, to have a school that lasts for one semester? <laughs> yeah. Like when is a school... At, like Trump University <laughs> lasted longer than that. That's well, insane. Well, to be he, fair, he, he does say that they all got drafted. They all got drafted. Sure, sure, sure. That's so, fair. Yeah, the Vietnam yeah. War, I guess, did interrupt yeah, a lot. Having a having majority male faculty and student kind of bit everybody <laughs> in the ass. Yeah. <laughs> in so many ways, that was always going to be a recipe for disaster. <laughs> like if it wasn't the Vietnam War, I'm sure that would have collapsed. But, luckily, else. Hank has that foot thing, so like he would have <laughs> he would have gotten <laughs> undrafted. Uh, so sad. I mean, he's like the caretaker. It's like Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> Oh, yes. man. But it tracks because isn't Hank in the comics in love with the professor right. and like really about his approval? I, I do want a movie that's just you know Hank and Charles's sad existence in this. In it's this like with mansion. Hell and I. Yeah. Like, what's what's that movie where the woman gets like trapped in the elevator inside her own house? Do, do you remember what oh, that gosh, movie is called? No, oh, no. But it's like basically that, just yeah. like Hank taking care of this crazy Professor X who's like a, you know, a thirty year old elder, like you know, like Hank, really, the like, television's <laughs> not working. <laughs> <Yeah>. <sighs> <laughs> I, how did they get Magneto? How oh, did, oh, yeah, I don't know. How? How? Truly, yeah, because they... Who's, yeah, what's that movie? Like, Elliot Ness or, like, J. Edgar Hoover, like, we're getting the man who killed Kennedy. <laughs> how? Yeah, like, like they, they did not have any non-metal weapons at the, the time. The only way that he's in that jail is because we started the movie there. They would yeah. have no way to, yeah. like, realistically explain how yeah. he got in there. Even if they got him in his sleep. Yeah. They would. Right. That's what. That's like they, what, like they drugged him. That's what like, the second first class movie should have been. Is like Xavier is forced to like. Yeah. Go, there yeah. you go. Cap, capture and, Magneto yeah. because truly, he killed JFK. They could have said yeah. that. They could have <laughs> said that that was how they did it, and they didn't. Yeah. And then like they burned me. The government burned me, and then I was like, "Well, fuck you." T-, you know that. Right. Like, the, and that could have been extra motivation. Which, like, hey, I mean, they didn't need it. Like, there's yeah, a yeah. plenty of motivation between these two characters. But it is that thing again where it's you could have hand waved that so quickly. And <laughs> I, mean, I guess you know most people aren't questioning how they got him because he's <laughs> just there. But like, it is fucking weird. Actually, yeah. if that had been the thing that really drove Xavier right. nuts, was just like I jailed. Yeah, my brother. My brother. You yeah, know, and like, they weren't even. It didn't help anything. It didn't move the needle at all. Yeah. Right for like mutant rights or anything. No, uh, in fact, it did the opposite because all I did was like teach them how to mm-hmm. contain <laughs> a mutant. Yeah, yeah. Before we get to the scene where the the sort of JFK of it all evolves, we have what makes this movie an A plus movie in my book, and I think in the books of most people, the which Maximoff is household? the the just the introduction of peter as a character yeah like yeah. in this movie because this was like you know this was right after coven american horror story right. where i feel like evan peters was starting to become like yeah oh, like oh that's evan peters yeah and yeah just immediately having so much fun yeah you could feel the audience falling in love with his character mm-hmm. so is that is that wanda his, yes. uh, his little sister that is supposed to be Wanda. Is it okay. really? I thought it was supposed to be. Um, who's the third uh, Magneto kid? Like Polaris? Polaris? No. Because 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 that could be Polaris because Peter's mom at one point is like, "Go bother your sister upstairs." Oh, and she's like, I didn't even she's, catch that. Yeah, it's like, but she's boring or something. Because I was, I thought the reason that she was wearing a crown yeah. was a reference to Wanda. Oh, sure. Well, because Polaris also does have a crown. Oh, is that it's right? It's green. It's green. Oh, yeah. it's green. Okay. Th- this family's very uncreative. <laughs> but I feel like I remember there 
being some kind of weird thing where the rights to Wanda and Pietro were like slightly different in yes. terms of how they played out. Yes. And so I, I think that there was a thing where they were not able to ever have Wanda in the okay. uh, X-Men and, and movies. The name Wanda Maximoff couldn't be spoken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I think it's also why maybe his name was Peter instead of Pietro. Either that or Brian yeah. Singer just wanted it to be Peter. Because the like, next year we would get uh, the Maximoffs. Well, yeah, it's why, it's why he can be Pietro but not Quicksilver. Oh, they can, They had Peter and Quicksilver they had Pietro and I think it's specifically because their first appearance is technically an Avengers book right but they're mutants so they're technically owned by Fox so it's this weird split where they're like okay we own everything that was first in the Avengers book you can have everything that was first in an X-Men book right so being Magneto's son and all this stuff that that belongs to like Fox Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. It's totally, which is why they never talk about like up until after the Fox merger, they never talked about their parentage, which was also, I'm still, I'm very curious because I do think that at some point it's going to get retconned where the parents in WandaVision are not yeah. Wanda's yeah. parents in continuity. We're taking care of you from Metal Man. Yeah, totally. Man, yeah, totally. <laughs> like that there was like mutant stuff going on and then they took them like I, I'm very curious to see how the mutants get worked in there. Anyway, anyway. I think Xavier has erased everyone's memory in the MCU of mutants. That's sort of my thought, too, is that there's been some, like, behind-the-scenes manipulating and that they're going to pop up as, like, we've been in hiding this whole time and now we're coming out. And, like, which also... One day he's going to wake up at noon and be like, oh, 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 shit. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot to erase everyone's memory today. (laughs) We went out to the mall and I just didn't... I wasn't on it. I was drunk. Everyone's, like, (laughs) freaking out outside. (laughs) God damn it. <laughs> yeah, so we get the introduction of Quicksilver. He's mm-hmm. got his klepto, hangout basement, yeah. klepto He's cave, stealing yeah. Twinkies and TVs. Hell yeah, and Galaga. Yeah. I love this scene. So he's just so fun, and like it is kind of funny because to me, Evan Peters isn't exactly the most charismatic actor in a lot right. of ways, and like is a weird choice for like a hyperactive character because his voice, even in those scenes where he's like running around the room and talking. Very slow, yeah. very slow speaker. And in a certain way, it kind of works because there's a tension there and it's yeah. almost like he's bored with his quickness. But like, it's just, it's an unusual choice, I think, yeah. for that type of character to have him be so slow and so like. Almost kind of like stoner laid yeah. back. Like, he's hey man, like, very metered in his yeah. delivery on everything. And it's kind of bizarre to have the, that those two things existing in parallel. I love the way that his speed looks from the perspective of everyone else. We'll yes. get to it about his perspective. Right. There's no wind. There's no yeah. blur. Yeah. There's no. Hank's like, oh, is he a teleporter? Like, no, he's just really fast. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's just so fast. You literally can't see yeah. it at all. Very cool. It was one of those things where when you see Age of Ultron and how they handle his speed, you're kind of like, oh, really? Yeah, that's right. it. Yeah, because like, we all, all saw this, and everyone was just like, "This is the greatest thing we've ever had. like this." The oh, way this character is handled. I'm so curious how they do the Flash's powers in the Flash solo movie because yeah. I'm sure it's going to be completely different from what mm-hmm. Zack Snyder did. I agree, but I'm so interested because they have an opportunity to like do something really special. Yeah, and I hope yeah. they figure out a way to because even it. the X Men movies, unfortunately, very quickly just reheat <laughs> yeah. reheat this scene over yes. and over again. That we'll it, and about. it is exactly like microwaving, where yeah. it's just like, oh, it's definitely not as good as it was when it was fresh each time it's a little less <laughs> yeah. yeah but but quicksilver is a great addition he's here to have a good time he just yeah. wants to have fun yep. yeah. and like the audience kind of gets to go with him the way that he it's almost like deadpool light you know in a weird way where he's like you know commenting on the way that this universe the, the yeah. x-men as a whole are he, functioning he calls the bone claws gross yeah totally he's he's very much like an audience surrogate i feel like in this movie where he can you know exist outside of the crew and outside of the like normal yeah. world of these characters while still 
not quite like breaking yeah. the fourth wall and looking at the audience, yeah. but he's having fun. And it like, it's so it's just that refreshing thing in a franchise this old to have like a new character who does something completely different right. and like has no relationship to what has happened before. Yeah. Like him doing the heist is fun. Yeah. Oh I'm God. just watching yeah. him like make his way. Th- the thing that I love about that is that like you have three people, four people, mm-hmm. right? Four people, right? Quicksilver beast, Magneto and, and Xavier. Uh, yeah, right? yeah. So you, you have these or people, Logan. Uh, oh yeah, Logan. Right, right, right. So you have you have like three people on the outside, but they only get a certain point. They they're not involved in the rest no, of the yeah. heist. It's all Quicksilver. Like he's the only, he's the only one doing anything. They're and just I, like, and we'll be here at the gate when you get off the plane. Man, cool. like, I, I want to see it when he pitches to them that he's just gonna duct tape the guy to the ceiling. Yeah. Like, there's no way that everyone signed off on duct tape being also, the solution. Right? Also, that fucking guy deserves some sort of background extra award because right. he is yeah. given. A hundred and ten percent in reaction, yeah, right. man. Just from his eyes. Oh, I mean, like so you know, there's that part where he's like, "So what'd you do, man? Like, wait, what'd you do? How come you're out in here?" And he's like, "I killed the president." And he turns, and he's like, "Holy shit!" Like, <laughs> so good. And I also do like when he first goes into the elevator, just that the dude's hat, just like slightly, like that's yeah. that's it's, it's just so fun. And like, there's a lot of like, I mean, it's not subtle, but like little touches that really make the whole thing sing. Yeah. To show like how much fun he has being Quicksilver. Totally. This movie feels like more than any X-Men movie afterward, like they really thought about how everything would play out to everyone around, yeah. you know, like, I don't know, just the, the holistic approach to all of these powers. I really like the McAvoy Jackman chemistry. Mm-hmm. Like there's that part mm-hmm. where he's trying to talk his way out of the guards and then Wolverine's like, whatever, and just beats mm-hmm. them up. Like Professor and Indiana Jones kind of deal. Totally. I really hope that they do another movie together, just like as actors. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, for sure. I think they have really good chemistry. I also, I, I do love Charles punching Eric on sight. Yeah, it's so nice. It's it, so good. It's like a like first class. Yep. Like that's the first time, you know, that release of like, oh, they haven't oh seen God. each other since Cuba. And it's yeah. such a bad punch, too. I really appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Like his form is so terrible on the punch, <laughs> yeah. and he like, you know, the the shaking his fist and stuff. And, like it's great. And then yeah, like we get. Time in a bottle. Yeah, time in a bottle. Which is such a fun sequence, but also a lot shorter than I remember it being. Yes. Hundred yeah. percent. I remember that being like it felt like it was ten minutes long, yeah. <laughs> like truly. And then like the prize of the audience seeing the mouse traps go off of every, yes. every like I got like an applause break when I saw it. I was in a you know theater full of rednecks on opening night, and like yes. everyone was losing their mind for the whole thing. And then and then yeah. when it speeds back up and you see all of it, everyone like applause, like yeah. stand, everyone just absolutely yeah. like this huge release of emotion. Yeah, so good, so good. And like you said, like the care. I don't think they ever match. Yeah again the detail no. and that that to me was the thing that really like sang with this movie is i'm like oh i don't think a superhero movie has been this practical since this that's a good point so yeah. much of this movie is very practical you know even on the airplane they're having a, an emotional conversation and they go to the trouble of like building a moving airplane set so that they can tilt the whole thing on its axis make mm-hmm. everyone like you know make all the stuff fall and have yeah. eric planted there with like whatever it was like a uh, something attached to his shoes that kept him standing still like this movie is in, in this scene, everything is so practical. Obviously there's a lot of VFX being done, right. but it all feels tangible and real The weight and stuff. Like yeah. And, and no superhero movie has felt this tangible since. Yeah. It's difficult to rein that back in. Yeah. As things get more like crazy and cosmic. Yeah. And this yeah. is the second most at the time, the second most expensive movie Fox had ever produced. And it, and you see it, you know, with the baseball stadium, with like all of these complex sets, like mm-hmm. it's, it's unbelievable. Stuff. Yeah. The future stuff. <laughs> right. Like, crazy 
So this all leads to the moment where Mystique is supposed to assassinate Trask mm-hmm. and Eric and Charles show up and they stop her. But Eric does it in like a super aggressive way where he's almost going to kill her. Yeah. Where he says, he says they should kill her. Even. Yeah. Like, uh, I've seen the future. I know about the future now. And yeah. it's too, you're and too it, dangerous to be kept alive. And that's, that's a really interesting sort of dynamic for Magneto to sort of show that different philosophy for right. him. Yeah. Because he's like, no, no, no. I care about all of mutant kind. Yep. If I kill you, yep. they can't have what you have mm-hmm. that will kill us 50 years yeah, from now. Right. But Charles is like, that's Raven. You don't do that yeah. to family. Right. And yeah. you go into this, like kind of thinking that Magneto and Raven are going to be close, you know, cause they've had a close relationship before. So you really yeah. kind of don't expect Magneto to be like, we're killing her. That's like, kind of what yeah. that plane conversation was about. Right, yeah. of, of him being like, look, she meant a lot to me too. And I got to be there for this new part in her mm-hmm. life. And Charles like, you're so full of shit, man. Uh, yeah. Like, you know, I will say one thing that, and again, it wouldn't make any sense because of Dark Phoenix, sure. but but if in that last scene, if Rebecca Romaine as Mystique had shown up and she was in the mansion as right. like oh. one of the teachers, yeah, that would have been huge yeah. because then you're like, oh my god, they fucking did they it. Did she's it. a hero. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. weird how yeah. she's not in the future world. That at is all. weird. That is like it's fine that she's not in the future world because she's already dead, according to yeah. like X three, right? Yeah. Oh, but like the new timeline. The but right. yeah, but yeah, just the new timeline. The fact yeah. that like he doesn't turn a corner and she's there. The fact that Mystique is Striker is such a weird choice <laughs> yeah. when you compare it against it just breaks, having Mystique in the mansion. It breaks the movie. Truly, yeah. you're just like, what? This makes no sense for any of it. What like, is this? What even, is she doing? What was her plan originally? On a filmmaking perspective and a character perspective, what is the plan here? <laughs> yeah. What could you possibly be yeah. teasing? Also, where's Stryker now? Did she Where kill him? Where is Stryker? What? <laughs> is Truly. she just Stryker now? It feels like something where they literally had not even a concept of what they were going to <laughs> no. do with it when they did it. There could not be an explanation that would make sense with where this character ended up and also who Wolverine is. Like, are we supposed to believe that Mystique started the Weapon X program? Like, what the <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's so, it's so weird. <laughs> so I'm of the opinion that I think this movie takes a drop I think Magneto's heel turn comes too early. Yes, I agree with that. Because after this movie, he's gone doing his own thing and he feels so distant and we lose that rich, like that plane scene was so good Mm -hmm. and having this really problematic family being forced back together. What could have been so cool? We talked about this with First Class. Mm They did the split too early. Yeah. That should not have happened in first class. Right. I don't even think Charles should have been paralyzed in first class. I think that should have happened like third movie. Like I said in the first class episode, they should have waited long enough for you to forget. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then so that when it happens, you're like, oh, shit, it happened. Oh, yeah, fuck. We're right. finally doing like, it. Yeah. 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 You're like, oh, my God. Yeah. Like, like Han yeah. going to Tokyo. Right. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yes. And I I do like the choice of Magneto being the reason he's paralyzed. I think most of the yeah, decisions yeah. that they make are great. It's just, yeah, it's about when they make them and how they make that you're yes, like, yeah. not quite there. It's weird that there was never a golden age. Right. For the X-Men in this universe of like just things running smooth. So then is the flashback at the beginning of X3, is that from the new timeline or something? Yeah, who knows? Or like like where they go Um, and get Jean Grey? So we get, uh, so something interesting. So this is kind of like Mutant Kind's introduction into the world. Right. in this universe where Mystique jumps out the window yeah. and Magneto shoots but he's able to move the Curve bullet, the bullet yeah. really cool use which is power. I mean yeah. good payoff in yeah. terms of like what Magneto does oh. it's good oh and then on the plane we get the reveal yes that uh, like, <laughs> well, I didn't kill JFK I tried to save him why because he was one of us <laughs> I, I, <laughs> like, the audience was like 
dead. Like, so, like, are you, wait, what? I, again, when I'm, you know, and I think I was. What was JFK's power? <laughs> I was like 20 at the time. I was one, to me, I was like, hell yeah. JFK's a mutant. makes perfect sense. I'm yeah. all in. Like, I yeah. I can turn water into ice. <laughs> I like to think it has something to do with space, and that's why he was so like adamant oh, that yeah. we got there. Oh my god! I am from like, this. Stars. I can breathe in space, and I know it, but I can't get there. <laughs> I know I can. <laughs> One day, a billionaire will be able to fly there. <laughs> oh, amazing! I think I want to be on that plane. <laughs> I think it's crazy that the world got introduced to like two of the blue ones in a row. Oh yeah, because you get mistaken and then Beast jumps down after. Yeah, that's true. Were there, like, there must have been a time where the world was like, "Oh, okay, so mutants are blue." Yeah, I guess, <laughs> I guess, I guess they're blue. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're just blue people, so it's easy to find them. I guess that is an interesting thing where like they don't really make a point of it. That like, oh, this is the first time yeah. anyone has ever become aware of a mutant really on a public Cause, scale because they imply that Cuba had been kind of swept under the rug. Totally, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and explained no the same way that it's explained in our right. world, yeah. right? That everyone only has the same perception of yeah. the Cuban Missile Crisis the as we do. History. Speaking yeah. of them both being blue they are supposed to be the exact shade of blue the same shade oh, of because blue of the- because he's blue because of mystique's blood right and so changing his shade of blue in this to that like really light powder blue yeah i don't like it i mean look i think beast looks so good in this movie that i'm willing to forgive it and maybe i'll just you know say the serum is making it different mm-hmm, because sure. i don't know like I because <laughs> beast changes that's kind of his deal yeah he's that's sure, yeah. kind of that's, yeah, that's true he's always tinkering yeah, yeah. <laughs> wolverine being triggered by seeing Stryker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it affecting Pete, he like impales Kitty with his claws. Mm-hmm. Oh, one thing I forgot with, with Peter, just a quick light. I like the whiplash thing with Magneto. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. It, why are you? He's like, whiplash. What? Whip. Like, that was an applause line in <laughs> yeah, our in yeah. my theater, at least. He's in uh, and out, too. Like, they don't call him back. He's like, no, I'm, I'm gone. Bye. Yeah, bye. See you later. I, I, in I, two the days. thing I love about the whiplash thing is Magneto really trying hard to not throw up, mm-hmm. but also, yes. like, trying to keep his dignity. And yeah. Himself. Yep. I'm just like, all I want to do right now is puke, but I can't. <laughs> yeah. I can't. Not in front of this fucking yeah, kid. You know, <laughs> and also the moment of, I think my mom knew a guy was, who could do that. That was great. Yeah. I think Fossbender's really good in this. I don't think he's given as much in first class he doesn't have a big show stopping scene like last time like the bar but i think like in the plane scene and stuff he's i think he's doing really good work still i do still mourn the choice because fastbenders talked about it where he had a really well practiced ian mckellen impression Uh, that he was going to do in first class and matthew vaughn was just like don't do it just do your like just do this or like be you sort of you know because he's still doing like a sort of semi-German yeah. something. Brothers he's and not, sisters, yeah. Yeah, he's not being, like, Irish. He's not yeah. He's not Magneto. But it's very... I don't know. I just... Every once in a while, I wonder, like, if in this movie particularly, he was doing, like, a full McKellen. The way Carl Urban is kind of inhabiting bone. Right. Yeah, I yeah. think there's yeah. moments where it comes out. Yes, there were a few moments true. in this movie where I was like, oh, that's Ian McKellen. Yeah. He, he, I think he finds the moments where he's like, okay, I'm really going to emphasize here. Right, yeah. yeah. And with the idea being that eventually this guy became all those moments. Sure, oh, yeah, yeah. you know that makes sense. Yeah, but, totally. But yeah, honestly, the movie kind of grays out for me for a while after this scene. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we have Trask meeting with Nixon, telling him about the Sentinel program. Mm-hmm. We have some more Eric and Mystique stuff. We have right their kind of confrontation in a booth. Right. Where they're the diff- a little sexy. Yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> the differences of their ideologies. Yeah. Of she's like, well, I don't want a war. I just want to kill one person. Right. <laughs> I just, I just, I don't want a war. I just want to kill one person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not enough. 
come on, dad, let me do it. Yeah. It is kind of just moving along. And then I guess up until we have the Charles and Charles scene. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That one kind of picks it up. Yeah. I'm not crazy about like Magneto sabotaging the Sentinels. That's kind of just, yeah, kind of fine. Middle of the road. Whatever. Yeah. Like, but the the two Xavier scene is great. Yeah, yeah, Charles going it. to the future like via Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's it, saying like hey, we need you to hope again. Like, yeah, yeah. It's so good. And and it's like that moment that you kind of hope for out of a movie like this mm-hmm. that has older and younger versions of themselves, especially with these two type of actors where it's like if there's any way to do it, I would I yeah. just really want to see those two like talk to each other and like getting advice from your future self is such a cool concept. But th- that is one of the cases where Singer chooses a bizarre way to shoot it where McAvoy is face to face with Patrick Stewart, mm-hmm. but you wouldn't know it by the way that this was shot because there's the moments from over McAvoy's shoulder where Patrick Stewart is so stretched out in like this weird anamorphic style that it looks like McAvoy is looking at a TV with a stretched out yeah. Patrick Stewart on it. And you're like halfway through the conversation before you finally see a shot that you can actually tell that they are looking at each other inches from each other's face. Mm-hmm. Like it's kind of bizarre because you want to see him actually. Yeah. I don't know. And like, I get the separation through timelines or whatever, but like, we're in it at that point. We're in it. It's a vision. It's a dream. Yeah. Like, like, let them really interact because they're performing the hell out of it. Yeah. And you really get how much of a handle, even now for all these years, Patrick Stewart has on this like character and him kind of explaining to himself. This will be really beautiful. Of like, I am now old enough to know why I am special and what my Mm -hmm. real gifts are. Mm -hmm. And it's that we can just, it's our empathy. Yeah. Like we can handle every student's story and be with them. Hope. Yeah. Through the decades. Oh, it's so good. And again, it would have been a great send off to him right. and, and was a great send off to Ian McKellen. Really. This is a send off movie mm-hmm. for most of this cast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then there are just a couple of them that, that outlast him, but it truly like, it feels so good to send off so many of these characters in this movie. Yeah. It's a really good scene. Mm-hmm. I, I do really like that a lot. We do get that Kitty Pride is struggling with the time travel stuff. Right. Cause she got, like stabbed through the gut right and so bobby's like we can, we gotta go get a mutant who can uh take her powers away and take her place yeah and in the rogue cut they go after rogue right and it's pretty nuts how seamless because like what they do is they intercut the rogue is being kept in cerebro right which is why xavier hasn't been able to find her all these years and thinks right. that she's dead so the magneto stealing his helmet back heist in the 70s is cut back and forth with rogue being rescued and by bobby and magneto yeah and in movie theaters in 2014 you just saw the magneto stuff Mm -hmm. right and i was really impressed with how well it's like you know switch back and forth between the other totally Yeah. yeah yeah it is one of those things where you just you look at it and you're like okay i can see why they cut this only because out of anything in this movie that rogue stuff is the only stuff that's like you can basically remove it without losing any of the emotionality of the movie. Right, yeah. but Except it, for the fact that it's like goodbye to Rogue. Totally, 100%. Yeah. yeah like, get the moment where she's like, hello, Logan. Mm-hmm. And But here's my thing, because I don't remember the theatrical cut anymore. How does Iceman, because Iceman dies in the rogue cut. Right. He, he's killed saving Rogue, and we get this moment where she's like, Bobby, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, they've... But how does how does he die in the? I, I, don't, don't, think I don't think I, he yeah, does. Yeah, I don't. I think we just all assume that he's still alive. Like, there's uh, never a moment where it, where he's like so missing. You I want to say he's just in ice mode the rest of the movie, uh, so that they could just CGI him in oh, there. Oh, interesting. God. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't wow. think he's Sean Ash. That didn't even fully occur to me because I I have the road cut on Blu-ray, but I just watched the theatrical one on Disney Plus. Yeah. Uh, man, that's fascinating. It didn't even occur to me. Mm-hmm. Honestly truly genius way of like overcoming that problem of being like we have a character who is no longer dead in continuity oh he has cg mode yeah perfect great like because imagine if they tried to do that with someone who 
didn't look like a giant hunk of ice to just like try and CGI like Big a Halle Berry. Or something yeah, like Halle Berry's. I'm just standing there. Like it'd be so bizarre. The Iceman's so nice. They killed him twice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah great seeing Anna Paquin again. Oh yeah, that's the thing. This movie's just full of moves like that. Mm-hmm. Right. And and the idea that the rogue stuff isn't in the theatrical cut is kind of like mind boggling and like borderline disrespectful yeah sure. it felt very disrespectful at the time and it is one of those things where it's like i mean how much extra time did that add like oh, yeah. five minutes at the yeah. most yeah like Not there were longer lot. movies yeah. in theaters at the time and now it's just it, i remember thinking in 2014 that it's like god it's kitty how is kitty not bled out already yeah, <laughs> yeah totally 100 percent. because it happens pretty early <laughs> So after uh, Mystique tries to bail, goes to the airport, and Charles like talks to her through strangers, <laughs> she comes back to the mansion, has that conversation with Beast. Yeah, one of the sexiest scenes in X-Men history. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, pretty sexy. And the Beast makeup yeah. is so good in that And it's, it's really cool yeah. because in the theatrical cut, you almost feel like the movie forgets that Raven and Hank were a thing. Mm-hmm. And I think this movie really does a good job of honoring and going back to that scene does. Yeah. Yeah. What is up with Magneto's helmet, though? Why Uh, is it, like, damaged? Why is it, like, melty? I think because he only has the one. It's just getting more. Well, it it doesn't look like Kevin Bacon's helmet anymore. Yeah. It's like a totally different. Well, he'd already painted it when he was wearing his little costume. Yeah. The the little like maroon costume that we never see again. Yeah. But like it's all it's kind of like melty and damaged. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It looks like a like he was in a fire helmet. Yeah. How did this happen? What would possibly be? I mean, like, I don't know. Is that how they got him? They set him on fire. (laughs) (laughs) And then you get that really great scene again that's only in the road cut of Xavier trying to shake that Sentinel off the plane. Oh, yeah. Action Xavier. Yeah. Oh, man. And then the Sentinel finally like falls off and it screams as that it was runs weird, yeah. the camera. Like, yeah. Why is it screaming? <laughs> is it afraid? Oh, so I, I just remembered uh, Iceman is killed in the theatrical okay, cut. How? It's just, I think he's stabbed with a Sentinel. It's in, in that montage the when they're Man. all Yeah, when, they're, when everyone's dying, it's just like he gets ice stabbed. Like, okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Because, uh, yeah, Halle Berry gets done pretty... I mean, I guess that's the point is, like, war is random and yeah. people don't get good deaths. But, like, yeah. it's yeah. brutal because that's, like, the end of Storm. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, she comes back. That's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah at the end. So she gets... Oh, she gets man. Yeah. When Link sends Colossus through a portal through the sky and then like straight through, through. Yeah, so he's yeah. like yeah oh man that's some that was some like portal video game shit yeah that was real good i loved just in general the way that they handled like all of those all of those mm-hmm. fight scenes like it could have been so generic and, and i think in most modern you know even just marvel movies like there's not a lot of you life know, and fun in there i was gonna say i think that is kind of why these movies still have such i have such affection for them because yeah you get to something like the mcu movies right and everyone has like punching powers or projectile powers right Right. And when you get to that final endgame battle, you yeah. don't remember a lot of it because like, you know, that's why characters like Ant-Man are so fun. Yeah. Right. And Spider-Man is because they require you have to look at them differently. They can't just like clear a room with their yeah. repulsor rays. The right. X-Men franchise as a whole has so much more variation in, yes. in power sets. Yeah. And like obviously it's a lot less controlled in terms of like, you know, what breaks the yeah. universe in, 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 in reality, but like yeah. it is still much more fun to see those yeah, action and, scenes. The, the action scenes in this movie are just so well prevised and choreographed. It's amazing we never get lost in them because right. it's yeah. so much information shooting down your eye holes, you know? Yeah, it's crazy that the movie is as smooth as it is yeah. for being a time travel movie and having two separate timelines. Yeah. And- 
I, yeah. think, I don't think the moviegoer ever feels like weighed down by it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. So everything leads up to this point where Mystique is going to assassinate Trask or attempt to assassinate yeah. him again on live television. Yeah, I love the moment where it's like, wait, Nixon wouldn't be that selfless. Oh, it's Mystique. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I do appreciate that. Even though, like, I, I don't know. My biggest complaint about this movie is is Nixon. Like, at the time, I thought it was fun. But, like, now I'm just I'm like, why did we need Nixon? Like, we really don't. We could have just had some government stooge that was working for Nixon, and we could have fun with it that way. To have a Richard Nixon in this movie who has, I don't know, 10 lines, like 12 lines. Like, he's yeah. got a part. More he's got than a real mutants, part. Yeah. I mean, it's just, like, some guy, you know, like, some like i don't know canadian dude who like does an impression just weird is nixon the president that is depicted in media the most in like full makeup probably I think like so. prosthetic yeah he, he's such a caricature now yeah he's more than lbj yeah or you know where like you can just be like oh that's nixon like he's like a character yeah. in futurama yeah truly yeah. it is weird where like i almost think that the fact that he is caricatured so much in media almost takes away from how goofy looking and goofy sounding he was in actuality because mm-hmm. it's gotten so exaggerated that we can only yeah. view it through the lens of a cartoon when like you see him in actuality you're like oh my god he is crazy like it's yeah. wild to watch this man speak and we're, see his face but we're so accustomed to the cartoon like, that some it, movies go out of their way to be like no let's just use real him right yeah, to yeah, show yeah. people how yeah. yeah what he actually sounded like totally so we're we get the reveal of the 70 sentinels Great. Which are really cool designs. S- perfect design. Mm-hmm. Such a cool design. They based on technology that could never exist in the seventies. <laughs> Just this this factory, who had the designs for these sentinels would have like revolutionized the hospital industry. Like yeah. would have so many things would have been completely different yeah. in this world. Like, what were you making? We just finished a war. Yeah. <laughs> How long were you working on? Yeah, we don't have this kind of budget right now, military wise. <laughs> and then we get this cool sort of back and forth sequence of Magneto, first of all, lifting the stadium mm-hmm. and coming over and then controlling the Sentinels. Really cool. Shooting after people while cutting back to the future where the future Sentinels are attacking. Yeah. And, uh, and Storm, Blink, and Bishop are trying to yeah. like hold them off. We get that scene where Magneto accepts death and barricades the room behind mm-hmm. him, but then Kitty saves him. Yeah. And we get uh, that beautiful moment where Ian McKellen's like, oh, we fucked up. Yeah. Like, we wasted so much time fighting each other as we're seeing yeah. that happen. That was such yeah. a good moment. Yeah. Just that that remorse of, like, I wish that there was, like, whatever he says, yeah, of, like, I wish yeah. that less of our lives was consumed with us fighting so, each other. So yeah. this, is, this is the point where I've got, I've got a little bit of a pitch in terms of how they should have laid these movies out uh-huh. instead. Sure. So Please. instead of Days of Future Past here, if you had done what Matthew Vaughn had said, just done a sequel to First Class, right? But then on the other side of things, you also did a sequel to the mainline X-Men that was in the beginning of this apocalypse. Oh, wow. And you do a double meaning where it is it is the apocalypse that's happening, but also apocalypse. <laughs> and he's showing up and he's attracting people to like right. the way that he's, because he's like, we're going to stop this. Right, my, yeah. Me and my horsemen, we're going to stop this yeah. from happening, etc. Et you cetera. think we're new? We've been here. We made everything. Right, yeah, right. It's all mutants. Yeah. So that's that movie. It ends with them not solving anything, just solving the apocalypse problem, but they still right. have... There's still a larger... Like, a larger yeah, issue yeah. going on. And then you bring both of them together with the Days of right. Future Past. Well, yeah, I, I do yeah. think like a big point there is like Apocalypse works much better as a villain if it's with the original cast you know mm-hmm. because then they've been through so much like they've gone like that that is the point that you can have a villain like that and that it matters and, in any way and not for nothing but like 
apocalypse only works in the post-apocalypse. Don't blame me for the pun. That's the fucking 90s. Yeah. Like, the fact of the matter is, he literally comes from a storyline where he changes history to be a, like, apocalyptic, yeah. you know, alternate timeline. Totally. So, like, why not lean into that? Instead, we get a movie, and the next time we, we do one of these where it's just the 80s it's a new team it's like their just, first assignment yeah and he's just there in the 80s yeah and so, so you get like weird. a bunch of like fish out of water jokes with apocalypse it's like who yeah. asked for any of this and what a waste of oscar isaac truly yes. like oh, yeah. pretty epic yeah. and the amount of effort that he put into that where they like recorded all of his lines he like did a second round of adr with like a mic hooked up to his throat and two others to his side yeah. so that they could create a weird like echoing effect on his voice mm-hmm. and stuff. The amount of effort that this dude tried to put into his performance as Apocalypse for a character that is nothing. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. nothing. Yeah. Like bizarre. It's yeah. so bizarre. One of the biggest missed swings. Yeah. And we can we could but so it would even be a really good moment yeah, for, yeah, like, for like for <laughs> like Magneto to like reckon with all of the decisions that he's right, made yeah. in his life and come back to Xavier and be like, Yeah, you were right. I see this apocalypse, yeah. dude. I see how he's act. Like you were right, yeah. and it's like, a great way to send off Magneto to be like Charles was right. I'm coming, like finally after all of these years. Like I'm definitively going to try and like fight for the good side of yeah. things. Yeah. Imagine how much the ending of this movie would, how yeah. much of a fist pump it would feel like yeah. after going a whole movie in this post apocalypse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah totally. Just no, I think I think that's a great pitch. Not yeah. enough pacing, and yeah. it's and I mean that's. Part of it too, to me, hashtag is, Matthew Bomber. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I do think part of it too is like, I mean, at this moment in time, mm-hmm. especially like for obviously for McKellen, for Stewart, and for Jackman, it is expensive and 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 tough to get them back. But like, kind of easy to get Hackwin and Jansen, and I mean yeah. even Halle Berry. Like most of these actors are not in super high demand and so like in Paquin the only thing that was complicated was True Blood sure yeah, yeah. which like I mean I'm sure they could have figured it out you yeah. know like that would have been just as inexpensive as like doing you know a film and I guess Apocalypse was a crazy expensive film but like probably would have cost him less than mm-hmm. you know than Apocalypse right. ended up costing and probably about the same as like an X-Men first class too right yeah you're I think that's a really good pitch there's a really <laughs> beautiful moment you know, watching this movie for the first time where like Raven makes her choice, she drops the gun and it's like, oh, we did it. And more importantly, she did it because Charles right. like kind of like let go. Yeah. And isn't trying we did to, it, Joe. Yeah, we did it, Joe. <laughs> and that was kind of the emotion because then Wolverine wakes up. Right. And we're really in We Did It, Joe, because you see Paquin. Yeah. You see Kitty. You see, like and you were there, and you, and you were, were there. there. It's like a dream. It's like the end of Lord of the Rings, where they're all yeah. visiting Frodo in bed. Mm-hmm. And we get Kelsey Grammer as the Beast, which was like oh, a God. huge. That was fucking. Oh my God! Yeah. The reaction Wild. that that got when that happened. Yeah, because it felt like one big love letter to this adventure that we've been on for the past thirteen right. years, and then yeah. you know, Gene, Gene. That was like, one, that's the only one that I was like, mm, I don't like how that's ed- like ed- directed or edited. Like, I wish it would have just he sees something off camera and goes to it, walks off camera, and then you cut to like him like walking up to her. So it's not like a build up because the build up makes you think that it's going to be a fake out. Right. Right. The way you, that it shot where her back is to him. Yeah. It's where like, it's, like, it's like, it's like, that's not what this yeah. is. So like, yeah. why but, are you shooting it? Like, but it then is. Scott's cameo. 
Yeah. It's like, hey, buddy, whoa. Yeah, that was good. That yeah, was done yeah. perfectly. Yep. Yeah. Except except for the sunglasses. I think except those sun, those sunglasses are insane looking. They're way too high on his face. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> and I remember being in the audience being so like, oh my God, they did it. They yeah. fixed X-Men. Yeah. They can do anything after this. <laughs> the sky's the limit. It's like like the the to infinity and beyond. All of those things were true, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and by the even by like the striker ending, the spell was kind of broken. And yeah. I mean, here's a, a question that I genuinely have. Had they actually like been able to launch a successful X-Men franchise out of this? Does Fox still get sold? That sounds hyperbolous, but like sure. if they had genuine blockbuster X-Men movies coming out every year. Right. Like in a, in a world where Apocalypse was just as well received as Days of Future totally. Past. And they're like, like making a billion dollars every outing, you know, or whatever. Like, is that enough to make right. the Fox Corporation well, want to like, keep their film yeah, studio? In a world where audiences went ape shit nuts for amazing spider-man mm-hmm. 2 yeah and was like bring on the silver sable movie mm-hmm. bring on the sinister <laughs> six movie right do we get tom holland yeah never like and here's honestly i think the number one mistake which like of course it's easy to say because he's a monster but genuinely mm-hmm. it's really weird to have brian singer come back mm-hmm. for the movie that no longer involves the original cast if you're fox this is your send-off bye dude like thanks for all the thanks for all the service yeah. great movie good job you finally got your third one you finally got your third one you yeah. did your trilogy we're done with you now Bye bye like why on earth would you be like oh we need to have the same guy who started our franchise in yeah. 1999 <laughs> do the reboot in 2016 yeah, or 17 or you whatever. know there's this old adage that hollywood never learns the right lessons right. yep yep right. yep you know and it's like oh well clearly he's the only one that can make good ones yeah because this was like at the time was the highest grossing one ever before the deadpools came mm-hmm. out right and it's like well rather than give it to like another hot young director or maybe make it like super 90s the way people have been wanting. or maybe yeah. maybe poke matthew vaughn and see if he's interested in coming back and yeah doing something, right. you yeah, know? yeah 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 Totally. Yeah. Like, it's just like crazy that anyone would be like, oh no, let's give Brian Singer carte blanche. And like, also, not for nothing, but like, he had been difficult up to this point. Right. You yeah. Know, like, like, you know, producers have done a good job of looking the other way when it came to his private life, let's call yeah, it. Yeah, sure. But there were also on set stuff that yeah. had been happening of him, like going missing. Yeah. Right. And, not, <laughs> and he freaking, he did leave them high and dry on X-Men 3. Like yeah. he, the last possible minute drops out of that project and they replace him with Brett Ratner. Like just... This dude is not reliable in any way. He's way too expensive, way more headache than he's worth. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't seem like he's really the person who made this movie what it was. Bizarre to say, okay, let's give him more power and influence over this franchise that we've just gotten off the ground in the new young X-Men that was established by Mm -hmm. someone else. Why are you making this decision? There's you. There are other directors out there like they 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 this was them getting out of the hole. Yeah. Days of Future Past. And they get back in the hole so fast. Immediately. It is crazy, though, that we go from this directly into Deadpool. And yeah. it's like huge, massive, biggest hit X-Men has ever had, right. followed by the next hugest, biggest X-Men movie ever. Yeah. Yep. And it's just like, boom, boom. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to learn about because Deadpool is sounds like a completely different kitchen. Yeah that was really the insane people running the asylum. Yep. Right. No one was looking over their shoulders. Yeah. Right. And well, and Deadpool is the start of, and I'll go into it next week, but it's the start of that thing that Fox was like, okay, the X-Force, we're going to do, we're going to do something different. 
we're going to do so this movie does well so now we're going to do we're going to experiment some more yeah right. we're going to let everybody just kind of like do weird shit with the yeah. x-men characters we're going to let somebody do new mutants as a mm-hmm. horror film and we're you we're know gonna do a gambit movie yeah you know, we're going to do we're old man do logan gambit movie as like a heist film right was the was yeah the it was it was that? supposed to be a heist film and it was a all caper <laughs> it was all sort of building up to drew goddard's x-force that he was right. going to write and direct which was his second at bat with a all villain ensemble movie on in, in a Marvel yeah, property. Right. Like I mourn the loss of Drew Goddard as like a weird ensemble action auteur. And I hope that it happens at some point. Like he would have been a good alt for a suicide squad movie. You yeah, know what I mean? Like, right, yeah. uh, and, and also him losing, he loses sinister six first, then goes to daredevil, writes mm-hmm. the first two episodes of daredevil, like to create that show. And then they offer him the, the X force. And so he's like, uh, sorry, I got to leave daredevil, find a new showrunner. And then that show quickly nosedives mm-hmm. in quality mm-hmm. after, after those first two yeah. episodes. Oh yeah. yeah. And like, so funny too, because he's so involved in Marvel in his career three different projects that are Marvel projects, not a single one involving Kevin Feige, yeah. which is just like a weird thing to realize. Like, man, this I just, guy, I just think about like, if they just left him alone and never offered him X force. Yeah. And he would have just stayed on daredevil. What? Well, that was sinister six that, that are, took him off daredevil. Oh, okay. I had, yeah, yeah. I had it reversed. Yeah. Yeah. Sinister six was first. And then after sinister six kind of got canned, he went into Fox with the X force. Oh, okay. Pitch. I thought it was sinister six daredevil. And then X force. No, 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 it was daredevil sinister six, then X force. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, anyway, in any event, just the fact that like, if they just left him the fuck alone and yep. let him stay on daredevil, yeah. what that would have been like. I know. Yeah, I know. Mistakes were made. Yeah, I do, and I do still wonder. You know, like Marvel's going to be doing Thunderbolts uh, at some point. Probably is what it seems like. Like I, I just I want Drew Goddard to finally get that crack at like doing his like team up villain superhero movie. Like wherever mm, right. it ends up being, I want to see it. Spoilers for the MCU, but like you know oh, yeah. whatever. What's he attached to now? Julie Louis Dreyfus is going on. <laughs> he's got another. I think an, uh, one more like auteur thing that he's doing that's like an okay. original, which like I'm super stoked for because yeah. you know El Royale was dope and yeah. whatever. But yeah. yeah. I, I'll, and I'll look up to see if there's anything mm-hmm. else that is like. So, yeah, Days of Future Past. It's, I think it's the best one. I yeah. think it's the best one. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I, I like, of, of like the X-Men movies. I was going to say, Logan just doesn't feel like an X-Men movie. Right, right. You know? Logan and Wolverine don't count. That's, those are Wolverine yeah. movies. As X-Men movies, yeah. I think this is the best X-Men movie. One of my favorite scenes of the movie is like right before the shit hits the fan and they're on the plane mm-hmm. and Logan's like, hey, Charles, like, yes. just so you know, this super matters. Yeah. You're going to save a lot of kids' lives. Yeah. Remember the names. They're real names. Scott, Gene, and Storm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're going to need you. <laughs> I never put that together before. That's so fucking stupid. <laughs> And, and it was like Simon Kimberg was like, what's her name? I can't be bothered to look it up. <laughs> just, just type storm. I, I, oh Jesus. Um, but, but like, it kind of like, it was a cool, like metatextual, like, oh, like this is why the X-Men matter. Why yeah. the mansion, bringing the mansion back matters is because it's this safe space. Yeah. For these outcasts to find each other and take care of each other. Yeah. I just really like that scene too, just for the line where he says, I'll do my best. And he, and Wolverine's like, your best is good enough. Yeah. Trust me. Yeah. And like, I love yeah. that. Yeah. That's yeah. so good. Cause he doesn't oh. think he's good. He doesn't think he's the dude to do this to yep. inspire Charles, but he is without knowing it. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's, so good. I, I really, really like that. And it like, it does create a really fun time loop 
thing of just like uh, these yeah. two inspiring each other who inspire each other. Like yeah, yeah. It's, it's just nice. It's really nice. Yeah. Uh, anyway, all right. it's all downhill from here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we've got some pops. We got some pops. Yeah. We got Deadpool next week. That'll be fu- a fun time. Mm-hmm. Um, Deadpool two will be a fun time. Uh, Logan, obviously. And right. then, um, now, end of list. Here's a, here's a curiosity <laughs> question for you guys uh, in terms of your franchises. Are you ever going to do episodes within these franchises on like the unmade projects within a franchise? Is that like, would you ever do that on Patreon well, or on they the They come feed? up sort of like, yeah. like you know, like, okay. um, like the Magneto movie came up. Right. We never, we haven't talked about Fear the Beast. Mm-hmm. The beast centric right, movie that, that one of the editors wrote, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh. It's I have the script for, or I no, yeah. I have the treatment. For, I might have the script. I'm not sure. I'll have to double check, but I might have the script if you want it. Wow, it's yeah. weird. It's like Nicholas Holt having like a weird solo adventure out in mm-hmm. the woods. Yeah, and like Dark Beast kind of comes up. Fox paid for it. They yeah. paid for that damn script. Like <laughs> yeah. it, it was going to be part of the plans. Um, yeah, I don't know. The, the, yeah. Did you ever talk about the MIB 23 uh, for Men in Black? That, that did come up. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I, I love, and again, if anyone has that script, please send it to me. Absolutely. Even never even got that. I probably didn't. There yeah. was probably like maybe a treatment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, yeah. We talked about how it didn't work because the two, mm-hmm. the two franchises are diametrically opposed in philosophy of comedy. Wow. Yeah. One of the producers that had been on since the jump. Yeah, of the Men in Black movies it was mm-hmm. like, yeah, like the Men in Black movies are people stoically reacting to crazy stuff, right? And the Jump Street movies are like big crazy stuff, but it's like mundane, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, like, yeah crazy reactions to mundanity. And they're like, oh, we can't. They, these don't go together. <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. you're either like t- playing it like two sides playing it straight or two sides playing it crazy. Like there's yeah. no contrast, which right. is like essential. And Scott read the Darren Aronofsky Wolverine movie. Yeah, yeah, oh, the Christopher yeah. script. Yeah, 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 I yeah, have that one. Good. No. It's not good, not good. Macquarie, man, he had, like, his early career is, like, riddled with, like, misses. Yeah. Truly. Like, it's a that bad script. Ma- yeah. It's boring. <laughs> it's a boring <laughs> movie. Uh, so next week, we have Deadpool. That'll be really fun. Yeah. And uh, then we'll touch back. But I remember being, everyone was so hyped about that um, Apocalypse stinger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was like, they're doing Apocalypse of the Four Horsemen. It's a pretty cool shot. I love love exactly like 50% of that movie but the stuff that I don't mm-hmm. I fucking hate right. yeah. so it's like it's like 50% of it is really cool right. and I'm excited to talk about those things but then the rest of it is like wow this movie doesn't work at all right yeah. I remember, well, that, yeah that's kind of how I am with Fan Stick is like there's a lot of stuff in that movie that I yep. think is really incredible but there's just like so much of it is so bad and obviously and it's not all one person's like, fault like, but. like, like, like Reed <laughs> presenting Oof. at a science fair as a 20 year old as a 20 year old with a bunch of like 8 year old children unbelievable it's uh, so they, funny they filled the extras with eight-year-olds it's the fucking funniest scene in the movie it's crazy so amazing. Uh, yeah that movie is an exquisite corpse we'll find it we'll find a way to talk about the fantastic <laughs> horror movie. hell yeah uh thank you for listening and uh, we'll be back next week with deadpool same x time same x channel bye-bye